Hello and welcome to this edition of the Matt Adams Podcast, coming to you semi-live from the southeast side of Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm joined by special correspondent Ann Adams. Hello and Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. It's 2020. Uh, we are doing our belated year in review, but actually, Ann, we're kind of ahead of the game if you compare it to last year, because we didn't <laughs> do an episode of the podcast last year until January the 26th. Oh, that's painful. And that was our year in review. That's painful to think about. So we're at least getting this done before January the 5th. So I'd say we're pretty good. Woohoo! Fist bump! So usually uh, what we do, or what we did with the podcast last year is, every year I write what is called the Studicus Selects List. And this is something that I started, I think, back in 2005 on a different blog that I did with some friends. And it's just kind of my year in review, where I go through uh, uh, maybe the year in sports and different things that I did or accomplishments that I may have made. or it, it, And just opened a Pepsi, so if you heard that... <laughs> And maybe you didn't, Sorry. but I just I was like, I'm screwing <laughs> it. She was doing very it very slowly, carefully. very slowly. No, it, it, I, I'm a terrible person. I'm sorry. I get, I get thirsty. That's okay. Hey, we don't really care that much about uh, extra noise because You're you never know. Pepsi. Oh, just uh, today's non-sponsor sponsor is Pepsi. <laughs> and not diet Pepsi, regular Pepsi. The real thing, although the real thing, baby, is actually Coca-Cola. But anyway. So, <clears throat> it's it's based on that list. I used to post, when I first started a, a blog on the internet, I posted as, uh, under the pseudonym Studicus. And that was to, to keep some anonymity and, and stuff. And I That don't way, know. if the writing was bad, you could just pretend like you exactly. didn't do it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> We've all been there. Uh, but that, that, back in high school, we did a skit for National Honor Society, a circus. And I was the strong man. And I had to come up with the name for the strong man. And I came up with the name Studicus. Uh, because it was supposed to be sort of a get kids, uh, get, get your fellow students uh, ready for like their final exams and, and stuff like that. So I was the circus strong man, which was ridiculous. And I came up with that name. And so it had the double meaning of study, you know, study for your test. And then stud as in, you know, I'm a big strong man. So Studicus was the name. Uh, I didn't really use it all that much, but sort of in some online correspondence and stuff, I'd use that name. So that's where that name came from. I wrote under that pseudonym uh, when I started my blog. And since so since 2005, I've put together a year in review Studicus selects lists. Um, although I skipped, I think, 2006 for some reason. I don't know why I didn't do that. But since then, other than 2006, I've done every year. Uh, up and through 2019. I did publish the 2019 list fairly early this year. It was uh, around Christmas or before Christmas. And so we use that sort of as a roadmap. Um, I mean, it's a little easier to put together now than maybe it was when I first started it because, you know, you have things like camera rolls on your camera so you can look through your pictures, you can look through your social media posts, and, you know, your blog, and, and kind of see some of the different things that you wrote about or that you worked on. So that's kind of how it goes together, um, you know, at least the, the roadmap of it. And then, you know, Ann and I talk about things like, do you remember anything that, you know, we did that was exceptional this year or anything like that? And that's that's how we put the list together. And 
So we're going to use that as kind of our guide for this year's... Oops, sorry about that. I had to put my quiet podcast in progress sign on, and I hit the, the mic arm while doing that. <laughs> Boy, we are just all kinds of clumsy today, <clears throat> aren't we? We're, uh, we're doing fine. We're all, we're all fine here now. How are you? How are you? <laughs> Who is this? What's your operating number? It <laughs> was a bad conversation anyway. We're just going to kind of go through our Studica Selects list, which has kind of evolved into the, the, the Matt and Anne, what have we done this year list. And I, I think, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast at all the last, since uh, late June or, or July... You know what the first topic of this is going to be. It's it's the little dog who is right now sort of, well, he was sleeping on the couch. And now he's uh, getting under some blankets and probably trying to hide from the sound of us talking. And that's that's our dog, Howard. And um, I, I, I put the I'll put the list in the description for this podcast so you can see it. Uh, but we've got uh, several pictures of Howard up on the website, mattadamswriter.com. And uh, he's been a real uh, a real difference in our lives. And so, Anne, why don't you kind of go through people, uh, go through the story for people of why you looked for Howard, how you found Howard, and, you know, just wh- how, how big of a difference it's made for us since we've had him. Well, I don't know. We just got to that point where... I just wanted, really wanted a dog. And, well, I think it started when we um, were thinking about getting a third pet. You know, we already have a turtle, uh, Willie, who's 17. Uh, We have a five-year-old leopard gecko, Lenny. And I had considered getting a bearded dragon. And um, I was reading up on the uh, bearded dragons, you know, doing research on, you know, their habitats and things like that because, you know, I don't go in half cocked. I want to know kind of what I'm getting into because I want to give them the best life possible. And um, I was reading about a bearded dragon and somebody was telling me, and I knew this already, that, you know, beardies are a lot like dogs. They're very affectionate. They're very loving. You know, they like to run around the house um, and they require a lot of care. Which, you know, of course, our turtle and our gecko, you know, they're relatively easy to care for. They're very easygoing, very laid back. They're they're very affectionate, but they're not needy. Um, and, of course, we can go on trips without having to worry about, you know, um, leaving them. Right, yeah, you, for Willie, and I think we've discussed this before, but for Willie, if you're going to be going for a few days, you set up an automatic feeder. It'll feed him his turtle food. He'll be fine for a week. Lenny is... Kind of the same way, you, you put a week's worth of mealworms and maybe an extra cricket or two into his tank, and he'll be fine for a couple of days. Yeah, and we have like a refillable water mm-hmm. container for him. Um, so yeah, I mean, they do fine, as long as we're not gone for like more than a week. Yeah, they usually weeks, do. weeks the, prob- is the maximum. Yeah, I'd say that's, uh, otherwise we'd have to have someone come in and look after him right. while we're gone. At least, you know change Lenny's water and and that sort of thing. But um, I was thinking, well, if I'm going to get a beardy, I might as well just get a dog. And I had thought about getting a dog for a while. Um, It never kind of came to fruition truly in my mind until, I don't know, I just got to that, to the age now where I just want something to cuddle and love. I mean, not that I don't, you know, I have my husband (laughs) and I have my turtle and my gecko, but I don't know. I just had this maternal instinct to have like 
a dog. And of course, Matt doesn't really like cats. So I thought, well, let's, you know, just half-heartedly, I started looking at dogs. And Matt knew that I had expressed interest in getting a dog, which he was sort of on the fence about. I, I wouldn't even say on the fence. You were on the other side of the fence. I was on the other side of the but fence, But you were yeah. inching closer to the fence because you knew it's something I really wanted. Yeah. And, uh, but you had had dogs before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I had uh, two dogs growing up. One was named Runt, and he has, it was a dog we had when I was really, really little. And then probably in fourth grade or so, or fifth grade, uh, Runt escaped and uh, had gotten hit by a car. And mom and dad had found him. I remember I was over at a friend's house and uh, spending the night. Uh, Patrick Huffine actually uh, was the friend and friend mom of the and, show. <laughs> uh, well, uh, he would be friend of the show. Unfortunately, Patrick passed away some Aww. years ago. Um, but he, uh, I'd been over at his house, and I remember my mom and dad picked me up, and they'd let me know that they had been looking for runts the whole time that I was gone at my friend's house, and they they found him at the side of the road. He'd been hit by a car, so uh, we we. We buried him kind of near the garage, Aww. and he was a he was a good dog. Runt was really friendly. Uh, he was a mutt. I forget. Uh, I think he was part cocker, cocker spaniel, and I forget what the other part of him was. But he wasn't a particularly big dog. He loved to run. And then the other dog that we had, and we got her when I was in the fifth grade, so not too long, a few months probably after Runt had died. We got Cody, and we spelled her name K O D I E, like. Sort of a play on Odie from Garfield. That's a uh, cute she, name. She was a Cocker Spaniel Border Collie mix. She was a sweet dog. And, and she lived for quite a while. And Ann and I started dating in what, 2000? and 2000? 2002. 2002. And um, so she actually got to meet Cody a, yes. a few times. Um, going home and meet my parents and stuff like that. Uh, Cody passed away when I was in college, uh, later in college, like junior, senior year. Uh, she'd had cancer, had several tumors, and mom and dad made the really tough decision to put her down. She was the sweetest dog in the world, very friendly, loved to play. <laughs> she wasn't she, very bright. She was not a very <laughs> smart dog. God love her. She was just very, like, I wouldn't even say ditzy. She just had, like, this joyful part of her. Yes. That just didn't really I don't know. She she was very accepting of everyone. I don't think she ever really growled at anybody, did she? Did she ever have anybody that she didn't like? Really? Very occasionally, you know, if someone kind of like Howard does, someone comes to the house she doesn't recognize, she she'd bark at him, but not very often. Uh we always said she wasn't she was not a very good guard dog. <laughs> she, I wouldn't think she would be a very. She, good she guard was kind dog. of the run up to you and lick your hand type yeah, of dog. But she was definitely a bird dog. Oh my god, uh, I remember she was that bird dog. She would Love hunt and chase birds and... in the yard. Um, my favorite thing with Cody was she would chase after her tennis ball, and she would never bring it back to you, which was always funny because <laughs> we were trying to play fetch, but she wouldn't bring it back to you, and so you would she'd go get the ball, and then you'd have to chase her down to get the ball back from her in order to get her to fetch it again. Howard's the same way. He doesn't. He'll bring it back, and he'll sit close to you, but he'll never just bring it right back right. to you. You have to come and get it. You but have to work for the, it. The greatest thing, and Anne did get to witness this, 
is that when you would bounce the tennis ball on the sidewalk, she would try to chase the ball as it was bouncing. <laughs> so the ball would be bouncing up and down, and Cody would be bouncing up and down with the ball trying to catch it. Cute. And then she kindly finally decided that, oh, I'll just wait till the tennis ball stops, and then Aww. I'll pick it up. She was she was a, she was a sweet dog. They were great dogs. Um, now the thing about them, and this is this is where you know, oh well, it sounds like Matt likes dogs. Why wouldn't he want to have a dog? Well, the thing about both those dogs is they were they were outside dogs. We have about a half acre yard at home. I live in a rural area. I was gonna say you live out in the country, so and um, that's where I grew up in Williamsburg. And so we didn't have dogs in the house. The only time we had dogs in the house, Runt and Cody, when they would get when it would get really, really hot or really, really cold outside, we'd let them stay in the back room until the weather got a little bit better. But, I mean, for the most part, they had a doghouse outside. That's where they stayed. You know, they ate outside. And they didn't spend hardly any time indoors except in the back room. And they, they weren't even allowed in, like, the main part of the house. They stayed in the back room. Uh, when it would get really cold outside, a lot of times Cody would sleep next to the dryer uh, to, to kind of steep keep warm um you know so that's when you know when the temperature dropped really really low so they and they were thicker haired dogs too um they were definitely and they enjoyed being outside and they liked being outside cody loved i mean cody loved the snow she loved when the snow would get above her head she would run through it you would just see this path uh like this tunnel in the snow and that's where she was bounding through the snow she loved it out there so the point is, both those dogs were outside dogs. We didn't let them inside. They weren't people dogs inside the house getting table scraps and lying down on your furniture and stuff. So it has always been my opinion that dogs should be outside. And so, and I live in a condo. We have a little porch with a yard or a little fenced in patio. It's not a porch, it's not a place where a, a, you could keep a dog where it would run and be very happy. So I, I'd always been against getting a dog because I didn't want to share a living space with a dog. But for some reason, and I, I don't know, uh, there's just something about this picture of, of Howard that, that Ann found on the Animal Protection League out of Anderson. And uh, it, it's it's a really cute picture of Howard, but we're also struck by how thin he is in this picture. Yeah, was, uh, we were just remarking on that when we pulled up that picture for the... Uh for the list, um, he has gained some weight since then. I mean, he's obviously, he's had his teeth taken care of, um, and he's been able to eat, uh, better. And, uh, he is definitely, I mean, he's not like chubby by any means, but he has definitely got some meat on his bones now where he's not as thin. And, uh, but he always he has such a little smile on his face. Such and a joyful little look on his he face. He still has that joyful look. He's awful precious and spoiled rotten. So Anne <laughs> Annie mailed me at work on let's see June the twenty fourth and yes. I, so tell me how did you stumble across this picture of Howard? Well, I was just one day I was at work and at that time I was working at a really quiet funeral home location. I won't even say where because I don't want to jinx anything, but. Um, I was just kind of, I had finished my work for the day and I was just kind of scrolling through, um, petfinder.com just, you know, cause I had been doing some research trying to find a dog that would work well with, you know, our environment, you know, we work, um, 
And, you know, we didn't want a dog that, you know, wasn't going to be happy being at home while we were gone. I didn't want a puppy because I just, it's just too much work. For, a lot of work for, for, for yeah, us. Because yeah. we're, you know, we like to travel. We like to, um, we like to go out. Um, we have a lot of electronics in our home. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of cords. Um and we just didn't want to have to worry about the dog, you know, chewing, getting into things on, and chewing stuff. on stuff that might hurt it. Um, we also, uh, I just thought, you know, having an older dog, they might be a little bit more mellow and a little bit more easygoing. I mean, no dog likes to be left at home, but we don't have a huge, I mean, there's not a huge gap of time where... They're going to be home. I think the most Howard is usually home is like six hours. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. And he, we've watched him on Howie Cam. He spends a lot of his time just he mostly sleeps. taking a nap. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we just, you know, I wanted to find a very, just a mellow dog. So I'd done some research on different types of dogs that would be good for like apartments and condos. Um, I did feel bad that we didn't have, we didn't have much of a yard, but, you know, you and I both like to be outside, so I knew that walking him or her wasn't going to be a problem because we have a nice neighborhood that we can walk around in. A lot of people have dogs mm-hmm. in our neighborhood. A lot of dogs around here. Um, so I thought, well, you know, and we have really nice, a couple really nice parks nearby. Um, so I thought, well, this this could work. So I was just scrolling through and I was doing some research and I came across this breed called a Chowini. There were a couple of, actually, there were probably like three or four different Chewinis on Pet Finder. And I was really intrigued because I thought the dog was really, the dogs were really cute. I was like, oh, what is this? So I did some research and it's basically a mix between a Chihuahua and a Dachshund. And I had always wanted to get a Dachshund, but they do have a lot of health problems. Um, Backs, you know, back problems, especially with their spine and, and their legs. Um, and so I was kind of concerned about that. We do have some pretty steep stairs in our home. Mm -hmm. Um, we have some, I can't imagine the short leg little dachshunds. Yeah. Kind of winding their way Well, and I worried about, we'd have to get ramps so they could get up on the furniture and stuff like that. It would have a hard time jumping without injuring itself. So, um, I was reading about the Chewinis and they basically have all the good characteristics of both breeds when they're mixed together. So basically, uh, they would have like the loyalty and sort of the happy temperament of the Chihuahua, but they wouldn't be as yappy. Um, and they would have like more of the kind of the fun, you know, uh, docile nature of the dachshund. They wouldn't be as anxietal. Um, like I said, they wouldn't be as barky. Not quite know. as feisty as a pure Chihuahua. Yeah. But um, anyway, so I was just reading more about the breed, and it just seemed like a really good dog. So I was just scrolling through, and then I saw Howard, and I was like, number one, that is a really cute name. And number two, uh, I just was really struck by his picture. He just looks so sweet. And I thought, you know what? He's pretty cute. I want to at least go visit him. And I don't know. It just The picture just spoke to me. It was like... God decreed, you have to see this dog. And so I, <laughs> I've been trying not to pester to Matt too much about getting a dog. Cause I know he was still kind of mulling it over. We hadn't really talked seriously about it. 
I had just kind of been secretly looking at pet websites, trying to, you know, doing research on different dogs because I wanted to go to him prepared when I decided to actually propose getting a dog seriously. And so I uh, sent him a photo of a dog and was it by email, I think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was email because when I was... Setting up the Stetica Selects blog, I was looking through my text messages, and I'm like, That's I know what Anne I thought. Okay. sent me this. Where's the picture of Howard, and where's the link? And then I'm like, well, maybe she emailed it to me. And so, I yeah, did. we had this I, conversation over email. I emailed because I shared it from the website. And I sent him this picture, and this is what I said. I said, this is a Chawini exclamation point, smiley face. Oh my God, I am in love. He is adorable. He's a mix of a Chihuahua and a Dachshund. He's old enough that he's housebroken and mellow. Surprisingly, Chihuahuas and Dachshunds were on the list of best breeds for people who work. We should visit him. He is precious. And I think uh, <laughs> Matt must have fallen for it because he let me, he said, oh yeah, let's take a road trip. You don't have to work that weekend. Let's just take a road mm -hmm. trip. Went up, up to, to Anderson. Anderson and and see if you know see if we like him, which I was really shocked by. I couldn't believe it, and it, it wasn't was surprising. like it wasn't like let's think about it. It was like literally you just sent me a message back right away, and you're like, we should visit him. So we went to visit him, and I think at first he wasn't quite sure, like what was going on, and. I don't know. There was just something. I mean, he had, you could tell that he had been probably not, um, uh, probably not, um, out on the street for long, but just long enough that he probably didn't remember how to be a pet in a way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he had a hard time remembering like how to walk on a leash and, I know when we got him home, he was just kind of like, you know, how do I, how do I do this? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. yeah. And so I know when we first met him, all he cared about was food. Yeah. Treats. <laughs> treats and food. They, they told us at the shelter, Howard really likes treats. So yeah. uh, we gave him treats and, you know, he did take to us though. He liked us, you know, and everybody liked Howard at that shelter. He was the mayor of that shelter. <laughs> They all knew him. Um, I think, didn't one of them say that if somebody hadn't come to get Howard in the next couple of weeks, that one of the volunteers was just going to take yeah, him home? Yeah, I think they had t said, too, that he had been seen a couple of times, but not a lot of people had come to see him. And I don't know if a lot of that had to do with his appearance or, like, when they came to see him, if, like, his personality, like... Um, you could tell he definitely had a mind of his own. Mm -hmm, for sure. <laughs> he wasn't a yes dog. No, he, no, he still very, is not a yes dog. Very much a chihuahua. I mean, if you don't want a sassy little baby, then you don't want a chihuahua. Um, but, you know, you kind of had to see his personality and, and just kind of see beneath everything. You know, see beneath the fact that he was kind of scrawny and his nails were overgrown and... You know, you just had to kind of see underneath all that stuff. And I don't know. We did. We we just decided we're taking him home. Just something about Howard. I mean, I guess the, the photo of Anne just saying it spoke to me just rings true. It just, it just worked. Yep. And so we 
we decided to go ahead and take him home that day. Which and- I was still quite nervous about. I was like, oh my god, we're actually doing this. I can't believe we're actually doing this. <laughs> now, do you remember, did we, did we buy a bunch of dog stuff before we got him? Or did no. we go and do it after we got him? When we got him... Because we weren't really, I thought we were just going to visit. Yes. I think we just thought, well, we'll go visit the dog and see what we think. And we didn't, I necessarily didn't expect us to take him home. But you were like, I was like, I want to take this dog home. And you were like, yes, let's take him home. Let's take him home. And so we went to, immediately went to uh, Petco, our good friend Petco. And, um... We bought him, like, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he needed a harness. He needed a leash. We, bought, we bought him, like, $300 or more worth of uh, stuff. Yep. Dog I mean, beds. Um, which he never used. <laughs> yeah. He hides his greenies in the dog bed. Oh, yeah. Well, he uses the dog bed. Uh, now that it's cold out, he does put his dog bed in front of front the, the fireplace. fireplace. He'll lie there. Yeah. And sometimes he'll use the one down here in the back room. But mostly he uses it to store his yes. toys. Yes, yes. He stores his toys in it. Like and, and toy so, yeah, so we had to buy, you know, food and treats and we needed uh, food and water bowls. I mean, every, just all the basic essentials you'd need for a dog. We had to, we had to buy rope toys and, you know, all that stuff. And so, yeah, I was like just $300, just hand over that in Petco. And that was, you know, he's a good, he's a good dog and he deserves a good home and he found one. Yeah, it took him a few days, I think, to adjust, but you could obviously tell that he had been well-trained. Mm-hmm. I mean, he definitely followed commands very well. Um, like we said, he does have his own little personality, <laughs> but he's had all kinds of fun adventures since we got him. Uh, probably, the and part of the thing is, too, one of the reasons we went ahead and decided to get him was we, we wanted him. We were going to adopt him, I think, after meeting him. Uh, he had not been snipped yet um which surprised us that he'd been in the shelter for about a month and a half or so and they hadn't had that procedure done so we could have waited a couple of weeks and had them do that and then taken him home but we're like if he comes home with us that's two more weeks he doesn't have to spend in the animal shelter and they're overloaded there. They yeah, were they were really busy. busy. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of dogs. You feel bad. You're glad to take one of them home. But you're like, I wish you could do more, sort of. And um, so they scheduled an appointment for us. And we took him to you know a clinic so that he could get snipped. And they also did kind of an overall wellness check for Howard. And they, they said he had some pretty bad tooth decay. So they also end up having to take a, do some teeth extractions on him. Which, Which I think in the long run, he is feels so much better. Like, he eats better. I mean, there are certain things. He doesn't like really hard dog treats. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, we have to buy him more of the softer treats. Um, but he can eat, like, regular dog food and he kibble. Still, those greenies are, it's are hard, and those yeah. are good for his teeth, but he'll, he'll eat those fine. Yeah. So, you know, he. I think he's definitely eating better now that his teeth are better. Yes. I think, I think that that's was made one a of the reasons big why difference. He was so And also, I mean, you know, the, the shelter is doing the best that it can, but it's got it, – it buys food that it can feed to a, a bunch of dogs. And we got him on blue buffalo food, and I think that – I think he was eating more consistently. I don't know that he was eating consistently – that much at the shelter just based on 
the, the teeth and based on the weight that he was at. And, you know, now he is. He's eating well. He's pretty good food. Uh, he gets a few uh, table scraps here and there, probably more than he should. But Anne's like, well, he's, what, seven or eight years old, and, you know, we're going <laughs> to give him a good life. So he deserves if he, if he, the best if he, life. If you're going to give him a hash round, he's going to get a hash round, you know, <laughs> as he did for breakfast this morning. <laughs> and I am sorry, not sorry. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. But, no, I mean, it's it's been a great addition to the family. Um, you know, Anne sort of got me prepped for this with getting Willie and Lenny. Uh, we've added a pet each year since 2017, so I don't think we're going to add another pet in 2020, but you never know. I'd like to. I'd like to get another pet. But see, if it were up to me, I'd have a whole house full of animals, and I don't know if Matt really swings that way. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, they're not a ton to take care of, but they do need to be taken care of. Willie especially, like, his water tank has to be changed once a week or once every two weeks, and... It's a pretty big job. Also, Howard, um, Howard and Lenny, or Howard and Willie get along just fine. It's just Willie wants to walk around the house and not be bothered, and Howard wants to play with Willie. So we typically try to change Willie's water when, like, Howard's at daycare. So we take him to Camp Bow Wow in Southport, and what do they call him there? King Howard. King Howard. So they like him there. Uh, when we were gone for Disney World, we left Howard at uh, Camp Bow Wow for the week that we were gone, and he did fine. And we just thought, and just thought, you know, once a week here and there, it'd be good for him to get socialized and spend some time with other people and other dogs. So we take him to Camp Bow Wow. You know, if we need to do something or do something in the afternoon and don't want to necessarily leave him alone for 8 to 10 hours or something like that, then we'll take him to Camp Bow Wow. But I always like the when they go in for an interview, they uh, make sure that they play well with other dogs and stuff. And they printed off the certificate of Howard for his first day at Camp Bow Wow. And uh, he just looks a little apprehensive. He does. It's pretty Aww. funny. I know. It's so cute and sad at the same time. <laughs> but, you know, we're we're dog people now and uh, we take him for walks. Uh, I mean, I've honestly I mean, it, Howard has improved pretty much every facet of our life. Um, Anne's happier. I'm happier. Um, and also something that maybe we weren't great about is he gets us out of the house and gets us active. So we take him for three walks a day. And I, I've actually lost weight since we've had Howard because it's getting me instead of, you know, sitting on the chair, sitting on the couch all day. You take Howard, and we're not talking, they're not huge walks. They're not three-and-a-half-hour walks or anything like that. As a matter of fact, in the wintertime, you're lucky to get 10 minutes out of him because he just wants to do his business and go <laughs> home. But in the summertime, you know, he'll take a 25- to 35-minute walk, and sometimes at a pretty brisk clip. So, you know, it's been good for us. Yeah, and I think just physically, emotionally, I mean, I have uh, anxiety and depression. And, and he really, I mean, all of my animals I consider to be emotional support animals in a way. Um, they just, there's something about animals that just sort of trigger those endorphins in your brain that like, you know, humans don't trigger. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I love my husband. I love him very much. I love my friends and my family, but there's something about the unconditional love of 
animals, pets that just sort of, I don't know, they just trigger something in humans that just automatically make you feel better. They like ease your anxiety and just, you know, help you to feel just so much better. And um, obviously I take medication, but I think having Howard really, I mean, I am sure Matt has noticed a difference. It just oh yeah, you just makes me feel so much better. Just less. Anne's not like destructively depressive or anything like oh, that, no. but you just tell she's just uh, happier with having Howard around. So and the other we we've talked about Howard for like a half hour now. So, <laughs> uh, but I, I mean he's a, he's a huge and it's deserved because he's a huge part of our life. Getting a dog is a big commitment. And it is. I mean, we, we talk about Lenny and Willie and we would spend as much time talking about them. We would. Because they, yeah. they have their little personality quirks and stories and, and stuff like that too. Yeah. They're pretty, they're all amazing. We're very lucky to have very good pets like that. Did you have anything else uh, about Howie? Oh, I have so many, so much more to say, but we probably should look at some of the other things on our list. Do you, do you have a favorite Howie moment of anything that sticks out to you? Um, I think, <laughs> I think um, the moments when, you know, we take him for walks, um, we have a neighbor um, on the other side of the block from us that when Howard goes on a walk, she has a dog, she has a Chihuahua and, um, he likes to sniff around in her yard. And sometimes truth be told, uh, he will take a number two in her yard. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one morning, Howard and I were on his morning walk before I left for work and he, was sniffing around in her yard and then suddenly the garage door open and she pulls out like her car pulls out and she gets out of her car. She stops in the driveway. She gets out of her car and she waves. She's like, hi. And she's like, hi, Howard. Like she know everybody knows Howard. Um, it's kind of funny. We don't really know the humans names, but we all know each other's dog's yes, names. Like her, so. her dog's name is Mick. Um, and so we just kind of know each other by our dogs. <laughs> that terrible. But um, she's a really sweet older lady. And um, anyway, she pulls her trash can out. And it was just at the moment I looked down and Howard's popping a squat. And then all of a sudden he sees her coming out of the garage with the trash can. And he just immediately clenches up and starts walking like, oh, nothing to see here. Never mind. I'm not going to go now. <laughs> You know, he, he got caught, so to speak. And so uh, we went down uh, down toward the pond a little bit away from her house, and he went to the bathroom there. But it was pretty funny because, I mean, the look on his face, like his eyes just went really big, and he just kind of slowly clenched his bottom and, like, got back up like, never mind, I will save my number two for another place. <laughs> I, I don't want to embarrass Anne, but if you need to know kind of just – the kind of dog Howard is. This story is a little microcosm of just the kind of dog Howard is. Okay, this is how he is. Uh, over the summer, we were taking him for a walk, and unfortunately, there was kind of a dip in the pavement. Oh yeah, no, so, this is not embarrassing. So Anne, Anne tripped and, and fell on the on the road. I wasn't and, watching where I was walking. Yeah. I stepped in a hole and I just basically face planted. And she she was holding Howard's leash, 
And uh, this was not super early. We'd had him for a little bit, but it was still kind of early. So we were afraid that maybe he might, if he was off his leash, he might run away or whatever. Well, and he had just been fixed. So, like, those hormones, like, because when we would let him off the leash um, for, like, before, like, before he was snipped, he would immediately just run off and start smelling. Like, he wouldn't run away, but he, he'd like, run we'd, off. we'd have to follow him for yes. blocks before he'd let us pick him up. Um, but yeah, he was more inclined to roam. So anyway, uh, and fell. Plus she, we were in the road. I didn't yeah, want a you were car in the road. to hit him. You, you fell and let go of the leash, which I caught really quickly, uh, to make sure Howard didn't run away. And then Howard realizes that mama's down. And so he toddles over and starts licking you in the face while oh, you're on the road. Yes, it was very sweet. Now, simultaneously, this happened in front of a neighbor's house down the road. And nothing's more embarrassing, like, than when you fall and someone witnesses. They saw it, and they saw him down the road. So uh, they have a dog named Macy, and uh, it was Scott mm-hmm. that, that Scott. ran out, and he's like, "Hey, hey, are you all right? Are you all right?" And so Howard, who has been, you know, soothing Anne, licking her face, making sure she's okay. Then goes into protection Howard mode because Scott's running toward us, make, toward the road, thinking, making sure Anne's okay. So Howard immediately just like snaps off and is like, you know, baring his teeth and barking, and he bites the guy in the foot. I know. It was so sad. Luckily, it was just sort of a nip, and Scott. Yeah, has, it wasn't a bad Scott bite. Scott was really sweet about it. You know, he was like, oh no, it's okay. I understand, but. It was just like, I felt so bad. <laughs> but that that's Howard in a nutshell. The, yeah. he, he loves us very much, and he's going to make sure that he protects us. He has protected though... us uh, many times, <laughs> and he protects us. Uh, one of my favorites is he, like, at first he would protect us from the pizza guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he would get very upset when the pizza guy showed up. And now it's to the point where if the pizza man comes to the door, he will bark but then he'll see it's a pizza person, and then he'll stop. Yes. And he will, like, immediately go out, and he'll, like, sniff them. He won't try to bite them or anything. It's very surprising. We'll table the Howard discussion for now, but you can expect that we'll have more of that on the Mad Adams podcast. Because <laughs> he and Lenny and Willie play big parts in our lives. All right, so another big thing that happened to us this year, or that we did, the best new-purchased king-size bed category We've talked about this on the podcast. Nectar, our non-sponsor sponsor. Memory foam bed ordered over the internet, and uh, it's terrific. We had oh. a queen-size bed before. Uh, we yes. It was fine. We'd had it for years. Uh, it was a graduation gift from my mom and dad. So we've had it since I had it since like 2003, and it's the bed that we had when Ann and I got married. Time to time for a replacement. Especially after we got Howard, because he likes to sleep in bed with us. Not <laughs> a lot of room. Lot of room a, yeah. Not a lot of room in a in a queen size bed. Well, we're always Matt, afraid that we we're going to roll over on him. Matt can tell you that uh, if I'm not medicated when I go to bed, I tend to move a lot, mm-hmm. and I have hit him or elbowed him in the face more than once. <laughs> so we didn't have a whole lot of room. I mean, not that we don't enjoy sleeping close to each other. It's just. We got to have room when we sleep. Most married couples will tell you that. You just sort of need your space yeah. sometimes when you sleep. Well, and then you, you add Howard, and even though he's small, if he's in between us, there's not any hardly wiggle room in between. And, and then if you mm-hmm. were to roll over, I was afraid I was going to roll over on him at night or something like that. So we were we were due for a new bed. We researched some things. We looked at Casper, 
which if you've listened to a podcast before, you've probably heard people talk about Casper beds. They're well-rated. Uh, Amazon sells its own memory foam mattress. I think your brother ended up buying yeah, that one. Yeah, he said he really likes his. And we went with Nectar. Purple's another one that, that you see a lot. We went with Nectar. And uh, Tom, uh, Ann's brother-in-law, helped us uh, put my the bed frame brother. together. Your brother. My, my brother-in-law, Ann's brother, uh, <laughs> helped us put the get, uh, bed together. And, uh, you know, it was it was kind of fun uh, to do that process. And no one died. No one died. Um, and Howard, who is uh, not great with people inside the house, especially men, gets a little territorial about things. He's met Tom a couple of times, uh, usually kind of barks at him and stuff. He really likes to go low for people's ankles. He is an ankle-biting dog. And he was good. He, Ann was sitting upstairs next to Howard, and what he was watching us put the bed together and was great. And then at some point, Tom and I lifted up the frame, and we were kind of rotating it around the room. And just like a switch went off, Howard like runs at Tom and yeah, like tries to bite his foot. I think Tom started moving towards me because we don't have a lot of room up there. And I think Howard's okay as long as no other men tried to come near me. Yes. Like my youngest brother was home from Michigan over Christmas and he was over at our house and Howard did really well with him. Surprisingly, you know, there were a couple of moments, but other than that, you know, but when Matt went to hug me before we, my brother met, I should mention. Yeah. Have, and, and brother's name is Matt. So I have a brother-in-law <laughs> named Matt. It's really great during family I have functions. multiple Matt's in my life. Um, but when we uh, when we hugged, Howard immediately ran from the other room and like got between us and started barking. So he's just very a very protective dog, which is pretty common for Chihuahuas. Um, but outside the home, I mean, we took him over to Tom's house. He was a perfect gentleman. He was perfect. You would think he and Tom were best friends. Um, he got along really well with you know they have a toddler daughter mm-hmm. and a dog that's a little bit older than Howard. But, um, and he was just really well behaved. Yes. Like he had no aggression problems at all. It's just our house. He's just very it, territorial. It's a protective yeah. territorial thing. Uh, but, and do you regret getting, uh, pulling the trigger on the bed? Gosh, no. Oh my gosh. Actually, I was the one that said, you know what, Matt, I put my foot down. Cause we'd been talking about getting in bed for like last five years or so. And finally I just said, Matt, we need to pull the trigger. We just need to get a new bed because I know you were, um, you weren't sleeping well. You were having trouble with like back support. Back, back was hurting me. Yep. So you needed a little bit more support at night. Um, we just needed a, a new bed. I mean, it had been like more than 10 years. We needed a new bed. So I'm really glad we did it. Um, and of course you got excited. Cause when I said, get us a new bed, you were like, Ooh, research. You like researching. Stuff I do. Like I that. love, I so. love, I, there's nothing more satisfying in my life than, Oh, let's get a new TV for mom and dad. And I get to research TVs and try to find the best price for a couple months. Or, hey, let's get a bed. We're going to do this. Yeah, and, but and we both slept really well without any pain. And it's just been really comfortable. And I love the fact that it's a king size. And we yep. can both just roll around. Yep. We've had to kind of get used to the memory foam thing. Because it's there's not no, as... There's no bounce to it. So when you're yeah. trying to get out of bed, you know, sometimes you kind of... Give yourself a little bit of hop to get up. You don't you don't get a hop off a of memory foam mattress. No, and like if you have to like move in the bed, like if you're lying down, you have to move. It, it's or sitting down and you have to move. Like there, it's really you really have to put an effort. So into it, it's work. It's work because yeah. there's no spring to kind of help you support. But that's that. good though. It's it's supposed to keep you in one spot and keep you from 
moving for more restful sleep. Well, and I, I can tell you I've had great sleep ever since we've gotten that bed. And uh, comfortable, don't wake up in the morning with back pain. And also, I mean, I look forward to going to bed every night. And like, I know. I think the first week we had it, we went to bed at like 8 o'clock every night. <laughs> we well, didn't necessarily go to sleep. We just laid in bed and watched TV or just kind of hung out because it was just so nice. And we would be fine with maybe falling asleep on the couch or something like that at night. And that's maybe happened once since we got our new bed because mm-hmm. it's even if you're groggy and you're tired and you don't want to necessarily get up and trudge upstairs to bed, it's worth trudging upstairs and going to yes. bed to sleep on that mattress. Yeah. And even Howard likes it. Yeah, Howard likes it. He had to sniff at it for a few days. Yeah, because like, mm, this is smells weird. different, and yeah. it doesn't smell like us now. It does, I'm sure. Yeah, so we just put some blankets on there that smelled like us, and he tended to get pretty quick on it. So all right, so we'll move on uh, from that. That that discussion didn't take long, but just just know that Casper or, uh, Nectar is great, and if you're looking for a memory foam mattress, we would highly recommend it now another big topic we'll try not to spend too much time on because we've already done a two-hour podcast on it uh that is the best family trip disney world vacation category and that would be the big adams family trip to disney world we've covered this in depth on the podcast but it's worth revisiting because i think that's something that you know the family is going to remember for years a lot of my christmas a lot of christmas gifts for my mom this year were Disney World themed. We got her like a mug with some of the pictures on it. My uh, brother and sister-in-law got her like a book of all the pictures, like a Shutterfly photo book. So, you know, it was a, and mom got Christmas ornaments for everyone with one of the the pictures of everybody together. Sweet. So this was a big deal. We mentioned the original podcast we did on this, that mom and dad, mom has wanted to go to Disney World you know, ever since she was a little girl and she's, she was never able to, to get there. So or she, I guess Disneyland, Disney world, whichever. And she was never able to get there. And finally she, she got there. The only bad part for her is she does have a bad knee. And so getting around the park was not great, especially for the first day, but she's always wanted to go. She wanted to take the whole family. And so it was a big family trip and, you know, we paid for a few things, but for the most part, you know, 95% of it, uh, mom and dad were kind enough to cover the, the travel and the stay and everything, and we could not be more grateful for the yeah, experience of being able to go there. Yeah, we could have gotten. Yep. It was wonderful. And, you know, they still got us some stuff for Christmas. It's like you guys didn't have to get you, – you guys – I know. This was like our big Christmas gift. This – you guys are good for like five years <laughs> on stuff, like helping us with anything. Aww. But – uh. It was, it was a great trip. It didn't come without, you know, some annoyances. And when you're in with all those people and then you're talking about airport travel and, yeah, you know, stuff sometimes not being wonderful. organized or not knowing what you needed to do with stuff. But yeah. that's okay. It's all part of the travel. But it was 99.9% wonderful. Yes. <laughs> the one the 0.1% that wasn't was very standout. But mostly it was, it was a wonderful trip. Uh, and do you... We've covered this, so we won't talk about it a whole lot, but, like, what were some of the things that you'll always remember from, from that trip? I just really loved seeing the kids, our niece and uh, nieces and nephew, get to see Disney World for the first time. Um, when we went to the Magic Kingdom the first day, 
I was sitting next to Riley, our youngest niece, um, who is five. And I mean, just her, she's sitting there with her little mouse ears on. And I mean, just her eyes popping when you could see the castle in the distance. It was really cool. It was just neat to experience that with them. Uh, when they're at the age where they would really, you know, they're not teenagers yet. They're not, you know, too old for it. They're just really, I mean, can you ever really be too old for Disney? But, you know, they're they're at the See, age I'm, where, I'm almost 40 and, and I'm not too old for Disney <laughs> We World. enjoyed it a lot. Um, but, you know, it, family trip wise, you know what I mean? They're, they're not exasperated by going on a family trip. You know, they really just enjoyed spending time with us and enjoying the park with us. And that was that was really the. I think one of the best parts um, as far as like the experience for me, I loved seeing the uh, carousel. I always dreamed of riding the carousel, the, at Prince, the magic the kingdom. Prince Charming, yeah. Yes. So I was very happy to ride that. Um, I loved going on the classic rides like the teacup. I mean, I've wanted to go on those things since I was a kid and being able to go to Disney world and, and do those things and ride the monorail and, you know, all those things that you saw like highlighted on the wonderful mm-hmm. world of Disney, you know, what you'd see if you went to Disney world, um, I think was really very cool. I mean, it was my first trip to Disney world. So I, I just enjoyed seeing all those classic parts of Disney and, and experiencing them. And I think, you know, you and I and Greg and Kristen and your mom and your dad, I think we really enjoyed doing the classic rides. Oh, yeah. Really cool things. Uh, the teacups were standout, especially my brother and I were How just... many times did we go on that? Like three or four times? I think we went three times, three or four times on it. Um, you can kind of control your spin and... <laughs> Matt went easy on me, but... I went it, easy on Anne, but when then it came when to you and Greg, my brother you got in and we were crazy. like, we're going to try to get this teacup to fly off the track. <laughs> Which was hilarious. And we to were watch. just laughing so maniacally while we were doing that. <laughs> and I, you know, and and so fittingly, it's called like the Mad Hatter, Mad Hatter's Tea Party. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Yep. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We but... were we were mad as a hatter, that's for sure. <laughs> and that was nice because there were, you know, it was pretty busy. I think it's always busy there. But that time of year is is busy because it's fall break, and yeah. it's also. It is still hot, but it's not as ungodly hot as if you went like in the summer. And it's one of those destinations where you may not run into somebody that you know, but it's entirely possible that while it's very likely that while you were there, that someone there at the park that you know is there. Yeah. Because it's such a destination and it's so big, um, something that a lot of people want to do. Because I know that one of my friends was was there and i didn't know it till after the fact you know like i didn't see his facebook post until they got home and they were there the same week that we yeah, were yeah my co-worker was the same way and i think um our my sister-in-law Kristen, your, she actually your brother's ran into wife, somebody she, she ran knew. into somebody yeah. she used to work with when she was here in indianapolis so yeah it's it's kind of funny <laughs> that it happens that way well but. and my uncle jerry and aunt kim were telling they they went like 10 years ago and ran into uh tim and cheryl oh, my mom's yeah. cousin so uh while they were there so they they were just really surprised by that. So you you might run into somebody. It's just crazy that it's that big, uh, but you might run into somebody that you know. Yeah. Uh, there. Uh, so I love the teacups. Uh, I really enjoyed Galaxy's Edge and the Star Wars stuff. And we'll I will talk say about though that. that even though I enjoyed like the Frozen ride and a lot of the classic rides, I still think the best ride, and this probably goes into our next category, was the Millennium Falcon and this. Um, 
the uh, Star Tours. Star Tours. Yeah. I really enjoyed. I know you like the Millennium Falcon ride. I loved Star Tours. That was so much fun. Now, and, and didn't do the Millennium Falcon ride, the Smuggler's Run, because we needed to take advantage of extra magic hours. If you stay at one of the Disney resorts, Galaxy's Edge opens at six o'clock. Hollywood Studios opens at six o'clock. And so we went there early because the line, there's no fast pass for the Millennium Falcon ride. We really wanted to ride that. So Greg, my brother and his son, Luke, my nephew got up very, we got up at like five 30 on Friday morning and went over to Galaxy's Edge so that we could ride the Millennium Falcon ride twice, which I did not want to do. And, and did, not, did not want to get up that early. And that's totally fine. I was on vacation, <laughs> but that's just, that's why we were, you know, for we're huge Star Wars fans. That's why we were there. We wanted to see Galaxy's Edge. And we had we were scheduled to build lightsabers at like nine fifteen, so we knew we had a few hours to kill before we had to do that, and before it got super super busy. So we got through line from London Falcon Smuggler's Run, rode it twice. We thought it was awesome. Then afterwards, we rode Star Tours. Uh, there was no line for that the first time we went through. Greg, Luke, and me, and it was awesome. Like I like the Millennium Falcon ride. It's neat. It moves you around. It's interactive. You've got different jobs you have to to perform and stuff like that. But and it's got a little storyline that goes along with it, and it has a different experience. Like you're trying to rescue these uh, canisters of coaxium, which is hyperspace fuel that they introduced in Solo, and so you can capture several of them and get a higher score, or capture fewer of them and not get a very good score. And they have different stations. They've got like a gunner station, a couple pilot stations, a couple engineering stations. And it, it, it you, you walk around a, a scale model of the Millennium Falcon and they've done the interior. It all looks like the Falcon. So it's awesome. And I'm not saying that it's not awesome, but we had more fun with Star Tours. I just thought Star Tours was phenomenal. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. And I know you went on like, at least three times, and you said that it was different just about every time, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I, I guess they have like 24 or 30 different combinations of scenes that can go together, and so you can kind of get a different experience. And we were fortunate; we had three different experiences. I rode it three times. Uh, we rode it right after at right after the Millennium Falcon ride, and it was like a wait of less than 10 minutes because it was still early and everybody was in Galaxy's Edge instead of Star Tours. Because Star Tours is just outside of Galaxy's Edge. It's not actually in the Star Wars part of the park. And then after we did our lightsabers and went to the gift shop, we're like, you know what? Let's ride Star Tours again, Greg and Luke and me. And the line for it, it was about 40 minutes to get through the line that time. Uh, because it was later in the day, there were more people there. They're looking for something to do, so they rode Star Tours. And then uh, Greg and I and Luke, we were just talking about Star Tours and how awesome we thought it was. So when we had um, some time to kill before our fast pass opened for the Slinky Dog Dash roller coaster, uh, Mom and Anne rode with us as well. And you guys had scooters, so they kind of fast passed us through the line, so we didn't have to stand in line, which was. Kind of nice, um, unexpected, but nice. And so mom, who doesn't love roller coasters and stuff, really liked Star Tours. And Anne, also not a huge fan of roller coasters, also liked Star Tours. Yeah, it was it was a little jarring for me because I, I have vertigo. Uh, so it was a little jarring at some points. There is quite a bit of movement, like your seats move a little bit. 
but it was worth it. It was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. And they've added since um, the Rise of Skywalker opened, they've added one of the planets from that movie oh, as cool. an option for the ride. So neat. Basically, what it is, the conceit is that C three PO and R two D two are driving you on a star tour, and um, like a tour, it's supposed to be a tourist spaceship, but there's a rebel spy on board, so you start getting chased by the Empire. So there's kind of three segments of it. The first is sort of the you're on the ship and then they say there's a spy on board, so the Empire tries to stop you. And we saw both Darth Vader and Kylo Ren try to stop our transport before we get out. And then you sort of go into space and you do a hyperspace jump and you end up on a planet. And we, we saw, we did pod racing once. We did, gosh. We were on crate at one time. We were on crate as well. And I cannot remember... Uh, I have it written down. I just can't remember what the... There was another thing that, that we did. Um, and then you end up, at the very end of the trip, you land on Batu, which is the trading post for uh, Galaxy's Edge. But we saw three different scenes. Now, like this, this third, the second and third time Greg and Luke and I rode, the scenes at the end were the same, but the beginning scene was different. So, like, one time the Falcon blasted us through, and one time we encountered Kylo Ren. You can also encounter Darth Vader. So, uh, but it, it was it was really a cool ride. It's a motion simulator, so you sit down, and it, it shakes you around, and, like, when you go into hyperspace, it really kind of kicks you back into your seat and stuff like that. It's a 3D ride, which I was surprised that that didn't give, uh, and doesn't really like 3D movies that much, so I was surprised that didn't, you know, have a well, and it wasn't hurt, it wasn't hurt. that long. I mean, it was long enough. It wasn't like it watching wasn't, a two hour movie. Yeah, it wasn't super long. And it's the, about a five minute ride, I think. Yeah, and the three D wasn't very jarring at all either. I was really surprised, uh, but what, I had fun. And, and it's cool because they they j just randomly pick someone out of on your car <laughs> that's the spy, and that they show the, and they show the picture on the big screen, and it's like a like just a candid shot of just somebody someone, on the ride. Yeah. Which is hilarious. And they've got an animatronic C-3PO mm -hmm. that's at the t front of the ship. And probably the, the they just have some nice little touches in there. And one of them is when you're on Crate, which is the, the salt planet from The Last Jedi. And you are doing like the skim over the top of that stuff. And it kicks up on your windshield. And... And you can't see, and C-3PO's like, oh, to do something, and then this little scraper comes off and scrapes <laughs> off your windshield. So I thought that was the nicest touch of the ride. That was cute. It's very cute. But but you came home with uh, our best souvenir. Oh, yes. Yes. Shall I, shall I indulge? Best memento Disney World vacation category, Matt's lightsaber. I love this thing. <laughs> and are you upstairs sometimes, uh, lying down or watching TV, and then all of a sudden you yes, you hear the I lightsaber do. turn on? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's, and then I shake my head. <laughs> it's great though. Uh, I love it. It's uh, you're you're everybody that that lifts it remarks on the same thing, and that. I guess we're all used to sort of the, the cheaper plastic lightsabers. We're used to the toys, because when we were kids, they had, like, the plastic yeah. lightsaber toys that you could get, and you, like, flicked your wrist yeah. or something, yeah. and it came had out. Had a telescoping blade. And everybody remarks on the 
remarkable weight oh, of yeah. the hilt. I on mean, this it lightsaber. feels very substantial. Feels very quality. Um, basically, you go in. You have four different types of lightsabers that you can choose from. I can never remember the fourth type, but I know there's power and control, peace and justice, and elemental. And then you have a, an assortment of parts that you can uh, put together to sort of customize your lightsaber. And, uh, you know, there's not a ton of combinations, really, I guess, when you think about it. But it's really neat. Then you pick your color kyber crystal. And you can go, while you're there, you have your choice of red, purple, green, and blue are your options. And I have always loved, and we this goes back to sort of our Rise of Skywalker review, I've always loved Luke's green lightsaber, and I, I just want to know what happened to it. <laughs> so again, if you know what happened to Luke's lightsaber, please, please email Matt. Matt at mattadamswriter.com. <laughs> I hope they cover that somewhere. I just want to know what happened to it. But uh, since I had the, the chance to choose my color of blade... Uh, I chose the green because I've always loved Luke's green lightsaber from Return of the Jedi. And I chose the peace and justice hilt. Uh, Luke chose power and control and the red Sith uh, crystal. But uh, Santa Claus brought him a blue crystal for Christmas. So if he wants to install a blue crystal into his lightsaber, he can have a blue blade. Because Uncle Matt just can't. Uncle Matt, who is Santa Claus in this situation, just can't abide the fact that his nephew, who is named after one of the greatest Star Wars characters of all time, is a is in love with like the I, Sith. He doesn't understand it. It's unsettling. So he had to get him a blue kyber crystal. <laughs> and they have a couple other crystal colors that, that you can get that you can buy. I think I'd want purple. I, I thought about getting purple uh, just because I thought it would be somewhat unique. I just like it because it's my favorite color. But it's Anne's favorite color, but again, I just had a trouble just not choosing. But how the... could you not get green? I green. mean, that's like it's, it's just it's important. my favorite. It's very cool. It's always been my favorite of the lightsabers it's in Star iconic. Wars. And I think, I mean, that goes like I'm a little bit. I wouldn't say an odd duck, but because there are a lot of people my age that feel the same way. But Return of the Jedi is my favorite of the Star Wars movies, and I think that's why I have such a such a connection to Luke's green lightsaber. I just really like that blade color. I think it's really cool. And so that's uh, that's what I did. And we shipped them back home. We built them at like 915. They do a really cool thing. They take you through this whole building process. And of course, these people that work at Disney World are in character as people who work at this trading post, Black Spire trading post, I think it's called. And... You go through this whole little thing, and it's it's really neat. But then you're like, now I've got like a two hundred dollar lightsaber, and <laughs> I don't want to carry it around. The how park do I all how day. do I ride rides? And you know, do I want to carry this thing onto the airplane and stuff getting home? So we went to a gift shop and shipped them back home, and they arrived just fine. Yeah, and it's really cool. They give you like this really neat, um, kind of like a soft case to put them in. It's really nice. It's, it looks like an architect's tube. It's really neat. Yeah, it, it's it's great. And we were just, I think it was, we we both, hate, because Greg and Luke and me, we were, Greg and Luke and I, we were the only people who got to see our lightsabers because everybody else had decided to sleep in that day. Uh, my dad actually had had stomach trouble, and so he didn't get to hang uh, out at the park on Friday. And... Nobody really got to see the lightsabers except for, like, the pictures that we took. 
and because we shipped them. But then again, we didn't want to carry them around all day. And then even if we, because you can also, if we didn't want to ship them, you can have them held for you at the front of the park and then pick them up on your way out. We did some stuff with, we did that with some of our souvenirs that day. My mom did. And then we got to thinking about, like, we didn't, th the airport no longer, there was a point where, like, the airport wouldn't let you, the airline wouldn't let you allow, allow you to take them on, like, shortly after it opened. But now they're kind of, like, understood that, okay, yeah, people are going to have lightsabers from Disney World that they want to take with them. Yeah. But then you got to thinking about carrying on the plane, something happening to it, it well, just yeah. being awkward and, and stuff. Well, and so. you can't really storm in the overhead compartment. Nope, too big. And you big. can't really, if you put them in the seat with you, there's a chance that they're going to get stepped on yeah. or squished. And it's like, it's just more comfortable and easier for everybody if you ship it. Which I was personally kind of worried that something was going to happen to it in shipment. But I'm glad it made it here safe. And it actually, they did a great job packing it yes, and sending it. It was packed well. The, the funny thing was that, I guess I would understand, but we had to sign for it. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, upon delivery. So the first time it was supposed to be delivered was oh, like no. on a Wednesday, I think. It was, yes. And Anne had just taken Howard out for, was taking Howard out for a walk and missed the FedEx, or the, I can't remember if it fe came FedEx or UPS. I think it came FedEx. But missed the FedEx guy by like five minutes. And he was really confused because he came home, the door was open, like the garage door was open. And like the front door, well, no, the front door wouldn't have been open, but the garage door was. So he thought somebody was home. And he just must have. And it's so funny because we were walking through the neighborhood and he drove right past us, the FedEx guy. We were in another area of the neighborhood, though. But I thought, oh, look, it's the FedEx guy. And I had wondered if your package was going to come today. If I had known that we had to sign for it, I would have stayed home if we were expecting it. Just missed him by But I didn't five think minutes. we'd have to sign for it. I didn't think so either. But I mean, it's nice safety it makes precaution, sense. but still, yeah. So anyway, on Friday, it was supposed to come again on Friday, and they did have a scheduled time of like between two and three. So I left work early that day. And <laughs> he was very anxious to get his life. Or on Thursday. And well, I don't remember if it was Thursday or Friday, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I left work early that day just to make sure I could get my lightsaber, and it came, and I was able to sign for it and stuff. And then he was very pleased to show it to me when he got home. And then I took it to work to show some people the, the day that the Rise of Skywalker opened. And when I got home, it was sort of sputtering a little bit. Like, it wasn't turning on. And I'm like, oh, no, did the switch go bad or whatever? So I changed the batteries on it, and it, it is fine now. So, yes. But, we were, but we were for worried. that first day after you got it, you pretty much followed me around with it. I told Anne, you time. know, we, we go for walks for Howard, and especially at night, the late night walk uh, before we go to bed. Uh, usually, you know, I carry a flashlight or something with me. I'm like, Anne, I don't need to carry a flashlight anymore. I can just walk around the neighborhood with a lightsaber. And she's like, uh, no. Because we have older people that live in our neighborhood, and they would probably call somebody to put Matt in, Matt in a mental hospital if they saw him walking around with a lightsaber at 10 o'clock at night. You're not wrong. <laughs> oh, goodness. Should we go on to the next one? Absolutely. Most ambitious podcast production, the Matt Adam podcast category. Oh my gosh, is this the one where I did a really terrible British accent? Did you do a really terrible British accent? Uh, when I Yes, when we did Six Stones to Peggy, which is the ambitious podcast production that we're speaking of here. 
Um, we did Six Stones of Peggy, which is a short story that Matt wrote in the universe of Marvel um, when they did the last uh, Marvel movie. Yeah, Avengers Endgame was a big thing this year. You might have, it's the highest grossing movie of all time now. Uh, we, I, I, you know, I don't blog as much. Really, the, the podcast kind of replaces the blog. So I don't blog as much as I used to. And, but I, I wrote two blogs about Avengers Endgame. One was a review, and then another one was my brother, uh, my nephew Luke wanted to go see the game, the, the movie, but my brother hadn't seen a lot of the movies <laughs> so leading up to him. So sort of do a diagram for So I, I did a post called, like, a Guide to Avengers Endgame for My Poor Brother, just to kind of explain the, the characters in the different movies. Now, they ended up catching up on a bunch of the essential movies that you need to see before you go see the movie, and really enjoyed it, but Endgame was, was really good. And we did a, a pod, a couple podcasts on it. And I always, I thought it'd be kind of cool to do my own version of how Steve Rogers, Captain America, returns the Infinity Stones. At the end, what, what's going on? Not that I was I, just sniffing. Oh, I thought you were going to. <laughs> Sorry. Add something there, like you leaned up to the microphone and then you sniffed, and I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? Sorry. Sorry, I just had a little sniffle. But I wanted to do my version of Captain America returning the Infinity Stones. And so it sort of takes you through some of the side characters and stuff in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I drafted Anne to do some of the voice work for me because I didn't want to do all of the... Didn't want to do all the voices. Uh, I did a he lot of voices. He didn't want to do the ladies. He thought it would be better if the ladies. I thought, thought it would be better if Anne did, like, you know, Jane Foster and Black Widow and stuff like that. And the... Um... I'm having a moment. Um, what's her name's character? The uh, oh, the ancient one. Oh yeah, that's that. Okay, yes, that's you're right. The, I'd forgotten you did. You did the ancient one because he had a scene with the ancient. Terrible one as well. British accent that I tried to. I don't know. I tried to do Tilda Swinton, and it came out more like a weird British French Jacqueline Kennedy. It was very breathy and weird. I don't know. Just if you listen to the podcast, uh, just you know, pretend like. It doesn't exist. None of the accents are, are great. I mean, I tried to do Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, <laughs> but we had fun. We had fun doing it. And that's the main purpose. And if you want a good laugh, you can always listen to it and just, you know. I tried to do uh, the Red Skull. Uh, uh, yeah, that do a was little good. Bit of a, do a little bit, try to do a little bit of a German Red Skull. Um, you know, I did Thor. And obviously Captain America, I tried to do a Tommy Lee Jones because we, we brought the general back from Captain America, the first Avenger. And uh, I do a Nick Fury. I, you know, I've tried to be man of a thousand voices, but none of them are good. So, <laughs> but you know, that that's okay. But we had, I had uh, fun writing it. And after I wrote it, I'm like, this would be really fun to kind of do this as like a radio drama or something. So we did a podcast on it. And I hope Disney doesn't sue us for using some of its music. We did a disclaimer at the end. I don't think that matters. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, if you're listening, Disney, please don't sue us. Uh, but, I, it, you know, it didn't go uh, super duper, like, viral or anything like that. Which is also a shame, but probably also a good thing. Yeah, please. It, please. And after us saying that, please don't make it viral. Because that's just embarrassing. That's not how viral works. So... <laughs> But, no, I mean, we had a fun putting it together. It was an ambitious project because, like, honestly, the podcast, you know, we have, I might occasionally add some music to it or something like that, but it's not a heavy lift as far as the editing goes. But this, you know, I had to edit this together in parts, and I had to write a script, and I had Anne do certain parts, and, you know, we, we when we did dialogue, 
we we did scenes together so you know we had to kind of find time to do that and then you know Anne had to go from Tilda Swinton to Natalie Portman to Black Widow and you know all this stuff so you know meanwhile I'm bouncing between like Phil Coulson and <laughs> Nick Fury and Thor <laughs> in the same scene and uh but no we had we had fun putting it together it was a blast and uh, it's just something that was a lot different from a podcast that we, you know, normally do. Yeah, we should do more radio dramas. Yeah, we had this, fun with it. But this time we shouldn't do as many uh, different accents because we were not very good at yeah, them. We'll just read them next yeah, time. I think. <laughs> but it was just fun. It's like when you read to little kids and you want to do all the voices. It was just fun to try, at least. I, I just know that my brother had texted me after that one went up and he, he really enjoyed it. But he, he said that he... His favorite part was uh, Thor wearing a turkey hat. Yeah. Because <laughs> there, there's a scene there's where... There's some really great scenes. They go and um, the reality stone, Jane Foster has a reality stone and she ends up using it. And um, so, so they end up in like this alternate reality where Thor and Jane are together and they're hosting Thanksgiving. And so like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show up and Steve's one of the guests there and... Um, but you know, we had like, he was using Molnir to mash his potatoes and he used a sword to like cut the turkey, which I don't think was sanitary. No, I, I don't believe so either, <laughs> but he wore uh, one of those like foam turkey hats oh, Thor in that so scene. Great. And my brother just thought that was funny. So. so great. Yeah. There were some really well-written scenes. I, I really got a kick out of some of them. They were fun. All right, so let's let's move on from uh, Six Stones to Peggy to the best video game Star Wars category. Um, you know, for me, it was without a doubt the um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order game that uh, I had the Xbox One version, and uh, I mean, I got that. I, I bought the digital. Co- I, had, I I haven't pre-ordered a video game in years, but I pre-ordered that one from Best Buy. And so what's nice about that is you put in your digital code and then it downloads and it's ready to go on the day of release. And so I pre-ordered that like in July. I think the game came out in October or maybe November. And I had a really good time with that game. Now, it didn't come without its frustrations because it's kind of a harder game than what I thought it would be. Most Star Wars games tend to be pretty broad audience, hack and slash, um first-person shooter type stuff. And this had a little more of a nuanced combat system that you had to learn. And it had huge levels, and it had no fast travel. So, you know, I don't know if you play a lot of video games or not, but a lot of times if you have big levels in a game, you'll your character will have fast travel. So, like, for instance, in a, in a Tomb Raider game, a level's fairly large. Lara Croft will be in this part of an island that has several different areas, but there will be different campfires in different areas of that island, and if you can find a campfire, then you can just transport yourself to another campfire that's all over across the island, so you don't have to spend 15 minutes running from one end of the island to the other. You can just, although with the load times, it may not save you that much time sometimes. Uh, in this game, they did not have fast travel, so if you needed to... Once you got to the end of the level, you had to get back to your ship at the beginning, so you had to go back all the way through the level in order to get back to your ship. Usually, there and you do develop some shortcuts and stuff like that, but I could have used fast travel. Um, it, they did have one method of fast travel, and that was those annoying ice surfing sequences, and got an eyeful of those a couple of times, where I was trying to 
surf on the ice <laughs> and try to make these corners and go around the curves. And then and, you'd like slide off and yeah. you're like, ah! Slide off. <laughs> you were so frustrated by that oh, game. Oh my goodness. Especially the first the first couple ice surfing seg- sequences. and Sometimes it was rock surfing, but first couple sequences of that was like, man, I don't know about this. But <laughs> the good thing is uh, the combat's pretty satisfying. It is a challenging game. I mean, I'm not the, the most skilled video gamer in the world. I kept it on the second easiest setting for the most part, except for some of the really hard bosses. I did drop it down to what they call the story difficulty, where you take less damage, it's easier to, to win. Uh, but the story was really good. It's about this uh, Jedi Padawan named Cal Kestis, and... You know, he kind of gets found out that he gets found out that he's a Jedi. So the Empire's inquis- inquisitors come after him, and he kind of has a motley crew that he hangs out with. There's a big Jedi quest that's involved in this, and uh, you know, you, you build a lightsaber. And the the cool thing about it is later, as you go through this game and you find different collectibles, uh, the parts that you can acquire for your lightsaber they're all cosmetic. They don't have any real impact on the lightsaber. But you can essentially assemble the, the same lightsaber you put together at Galaxy's Edge if you find the right parts. You can find, like, the Peace and Justice hilt and the Peace and Justice emitter and the Peace and Justice handle. So I did eventually just kind of make my lightsaber look like the one that I made at Disney World, which is kind of cool. Uh, but my favorite part of the game, I mean, so, so such a favorite part of the game, I actually bought a sweatshirt of him with the little droid BD-1. He's kind of your little companion throughout the whole adventure. He can scan things, and at certain points, he can also hack enemies. They have those espionage droids, like in Rogue One. And so, eventually, you earn a skill where once you damage the droid enough, BD-1 can take the droid over, and then the droid will fight the bad guys for you, or help you fight the bad guys. And what I love about it is that when he would do that, he would hop on the back of the, the espionage droid to reprogram it, and he would hum a little version of the Rebel fanfare. He'd go, and I just thought that was the coolest, cutest little thing. So when I went to see Rise of Skywalker, I most of the time I wore a Jedi Fallen Order sweatshirt that had BD-1 on it. So... I thought he was really cool and doesn't probably have much to say about Jedi Fallen Order because she, was cool uh, to look she watched at. me play it. I, I enjoy, I'm weird. I enjoy watching him play those 3D type games with uh, like the Jedi Fallen Order was cool. And I always, I did enjoy sitting and watching him play Tomb Raider. Yeah, I, know I did that Shadow sounds, the Tomb Raider earlier this year. It was really fun. I know that sounded weird, but I like to watch people play video games. I think it's because when I was younger, I enjoyed watching my brothers play video games. I mean, they let me play if I wanted to play, but I just enjoyed it more watching because I'm weird. I know. Best rewatch decision Netflix category, and which should we pick for this one? Star Trek The Next Generation. Although the work has stalled on Star Trek yes, The Next Generation. Yes, well, we got distracted. We had the holidays, and then we also discovered this wonderful show called Shit's Creek. It's a great show. Um, it's created by Eugene Levy and his son, Daniel. And it's basically, uh, long story short, we've talked about it before, it's basically about a family uh, who are like basically rich kind of you know rich beyond their wildest dreams you know the dad owns you know this video store this really famous chain of video stores the uh, mom is like this really famous soap opera actress and then of course the kids are just ridiculous and spoiled and uh they basically get um completely sucked dry by 
the business, their business manager. And the only thing they're left with asset wise is this town that the, that Eugene Levy's character, the dad uh, bought as a joke for his teenage son in 1992 called Schitt's Creek. And it's just this hole in the wall, little town in the middle of nowhere. And it's the only thing the government hasn't taken from them. And their lawyer basically said, well, why don't you just live here until you get back up on your feet? Well, this town is just, oh my God, (laughs) the people in this town are great. Um, Like the mayor, his name is Roland Shit. (laughs) I mean, it's just, you can't make it up. It's so great. Well, actually, you can make it up because somebody somebody did make it up. But I mean, some of the stuff, (laughs) if you thought about it, it could pass in real life. Oh, for sure. So... It's just so funny. And the characters, I mean, it's weird because the characters are absurd, yet they feel very real. Yes. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And they they have grown and changed because there's a, we watched it so fast. All the seasons sort of blend together. So I don't know if this was, you know, second season, third season or whatever. But there's an, an episode where the Eugene Levy and, uh, Johnny and, uh, Moira, meet up with uh they encounter some old friends that they had when they were still rich and these people uh, they go out to dinner with them and they really just start like making fun of the town and how it's just a crappy place and you know how provincial it is and stuff and like in the first season all those characters would have agreed with that but by the time this episode happens they've kind of grown to become fond of the town and the people in the town and so instead of laughing along and piling it on the town, Johnny kind of tells those people off. And it's a really nice he character does, moment. Because he was like, you know, these people have helped us. They've been our, you know, our family. They've helped us get back on our feet. Took us in when we didn't have anything. I just remember. Where were you guys? Yeah, where were you guys? You guys left us high and dry when all of a sudden we didn't have any money. You know, it was like, it was really, it was very good. And of course, Roland was there with his wife. With a coupon, they had run into him at the restaurant, which is unbelievably embarrassing, but yes, still hilarious. Yes. Uh, that guy is ridiculous. Because of uh, Shit's Creek, and we rifled through that, it's on the Pop Channel, or Pop Network, whatever the, the channel is, the cable channel, just called Pop, maybe. And six, season six is getting ready to start here in a, in a little bit. I'm um, very excited. But the, the first five seasons are on Netflix. Uh, it's It's a tremendous show. We really enjoyed it, and we enjoyed it so much that it had has derailed our Star Trek: The Next Generation rewatch. Yes, we've been yeah, watching that from that Encounter one at Far and Point uh, on. The Mandalorian has also oh, yes. thrown us off. We've been watching a lot of Disney Plus lately, so. But Star Trek: The Good Thing is Star Trek will be there. We can yes watch the rest of it because uh, we are in the fifth season. So there's not there's real. I mean, we're past the halfway point on Star Trek: The Next Generation. So how many do we have? Two more seasons. Three? I don't remember where we are in season five, um, but are we? Do you do you just from your gut? Do you think we're kind of getting toward the latter half or the latter part of oh, season yeah. five? I think so. So you know, there's probably fifty some episodes left, um, which sounds like a lot, but you I'm know, excited. We it, breeze through them pretty quick. Yeah, we breeze through them pretty quick. Plus, I mean, it's great. There's no commercial interruption and stuff like that on on the next generation. It's it's a great show. Uh, I cannot really wait till we can get to the the finale all good things have you seen that and uh if i have it's been a very long time it's the one where they they kind of have three different 
parallel time spans. Oh, and you get to see the people from the old uh, Starship. They talk, or you get, I can't remember. It's something about the old Starship Enterprise. Well, no, Captain Picard is old and is having memory problems. Ah, And gotcha. they end up kind of going through different um, next, next, different timelines of the next generation. Like, there's, like, the the early show next generation and then there's like the future next generation and anyway it's it's a really really strong episode uh one of my one of my really good it's hard to nail a finale and they nail the finale in this one so uh that has been really good most surprisingly great tv series the hbo category uh watchmen we won't talk about a whole lot but it was a really good tv show i have seen the Zack snyder directed Watchmen. I think it's a fine representation of the graphic novel. I know a lot of people disagree with that, and that is fine. But this show is sort of a direct sequel to um, the graphic novel. And it's got Jeremy Irons. So it's got Jeremy Irons in it. We'll take and it. Even if, even if it was crap, we'd still watch it I'd probably. I'd still watch it for, for Jeremy Irons. Uh, but it's I love not him. crap. It's a really good show. I, you would not believe that they could take something like Watchmen, and make a complicated TV show that still involves, like, superheroics and stuff. Um, I, thought the se- I thought the finale of the season was really, really good, but there's just no way it was going to live up, like, seasons, uh, episodes that preceded that are just incredible. And so there was really no way that everything was going to come together in a perfectly satisfying way for everybody, but I thought it was really strong. A really good... I mean, you wouldn't think that a TV show that's kind of about, on the surface, superheroes and stuff would really dig into, like, complex issues like, you know, racism and, and stuff and uh, in the U.S. and history. And uh, it's very complex, and uh, it's a worthy successor to what many people consider to be the greatest graphic novel of all time. But again, Anne watched a few episodes of this with me. And thought it was really good, even though, like, she hadn't watched... Sometimes this happens to poor Anne. I'll, I'll be watching something, and then she decides she wants to get in on it. And I was like, okay, pause, let me explain this, and this, and this. and um, But she still seemed to be able to follow the episodes that she saw pretty well. Because there's a lot of history with the Watchmen graphic novel that you need to know about yeah. coming into the and show. And I didn't watch the original movie. The yeah, Zach and she Spider has never movie. seen the... The movie version, which is kind of a Cliff's Notes version of the graphic novel and stuff. But but it's an interesting concept. I mean, I, I what I've seen of Watchmen, I really like. Most intimidating nacho, helmet nacho category. Oh, I'm so jealous that I did not get to experience this with you. The helmet nacho from Great American Ballpark is an immense beast. <laughs> you t- when did you tell me about this? You said something about when you guys were going to the game, you wanted to get helmet nachos. And I said, what are helmet nachos? Well, I had gone to, we go to the Reds games a couple times a year, usually. Uh, Sometimes Ann goes with me. Sometimes uh, my brother and I go. Sometimes it's my mom and my dad and stuff. And, like, a couple of times where I went, I noticed people had these helmet nachos. So, when I grew up as a kid, you could buy these little plastic, you could buy these plastic batter's helmets mm-hmm. um and we had a milwaukee brewers one and a cincinnati reds one uh when i was growing up and they have basically taken those and, and they would have a they had a strap inside so that the helmet would fit on your head well they've basically taken that size of a helmet 
uh, stripped out the, the strap part of it and uh, filled it with nachos and cheese oh. and created the helmet nachos. They're super expensive, though. They're like 20, 17, 20 bucks, something like that. Yeah, but totally worth it. And you can get them with, like, you know, sour cream and salsa and, and meat and stuff. But I just got mine with cheese because I just like chips and cheese. And so I went to a Reds game on a Star Wars night with my brother and uh, my niece and nephew and ordered the helmet nachos. And, you know, we, we, gave it a, we gave it the best shot that we could, but we could not finish the helmet nachos <laughs> because it is a helmet filled with nachos. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Uh, that was a cool night, though, because after the game was over, they had fireworks set to the Star Wars music, and then uh, the Reds won that particular game, which uh, last season was sort of a rarity at times. So we uh, we had a great uh, great time with that. Uh, favorite new streaming service, Disney Plus category. Who's the contender here, Anne? Disney Plus. We've been big fans. I mean, I think it's a pretty good deal. 70 bucks for the year, and there's quite a bit. I mean... They don't have a ton of original content yet, and that's where it's probably going to need to improve in order to keep subscriptions going. I think so, yeah. Because the, you know, right now, the man, there's some good stuff, but like Mandalorian is a good enough reason to have Disney Plus. The eight episodes of that have gone, they're, they're finished. And so now I can see people unsubscribing until they get some more new content because we love the Jeff Goldblum show, the world according to Jeff Goldblum. And he, he, he talks about barbecue and RV. It's sort of and, like how it's made on the yeah, Disney channel. Yeah. Only weirder and Jeff Goldblumy. <laughs> and, um, but I, I don't know that that, that show's not a reason to have Disney plus, but the Mandalorian is, but now that eight seasons have passed, you want or the eight episodes have passed in the first season, you wonder if people are going to stick with the Disney Plus service until Mando's going to come back at the end of this year, probably like October or November for season two. And then there's some MCU stuff that that'll be going on. But until that stuff pops up on the platform, I mean, there's like a Christmas movie with Anna or uh, Anna Kendrick is that that her name? Noel, yeah. I think that's on there. There's like the Lady and the Tramp, and then. Uh, so as far as the original stuff goes, there's not a ton of content there. Togo, Togo's a good movie. It's worth uh, having the service to watch yes, Togo. Definitely. But if you're not interested in the legacy Disney movies, like it's got all the well, not all the Star Wars movies. It's got most of the Star Wars movies. I think Solo's the exception right now because of a pre-existing deal with like Netflix. But um, so they've got most of the Star Wars movies. They've got all the Star Wars TV shows. They do have Star Wars The Clone Wars that's coming up, uh, a new season in February. And then all the, most of the classic Disney animated stuff's on there. And for me, for us, for Anne and me, like it's, that's good enough. Like yes. to, to, and, and we, paid a, we paid for the whole year of the service to save a few bucks. So we're stuck with Disney Plus to like November <laughs> anyway. But um, if you don't love... Like, if the old Disney movies don't interest you or whatever, then there may not be a whole lot of reason. But I, I feel like the back categories, or the back catalog, is so strong that it, it's worth having the service. Mm -hmm. Like, if you want to watch Beauty and the Beast, or Mulan, or 
the rescuers, the rescuers down under. We watched those Operation Dumbo drop. I had never we seen started that. started having our own wonderful world of Disney nights on the weekends. And it's kind of fun because we grew up with that on, you know, as kids. We, they still had the wonderful world of Disney. So we pick like a classic movie or something that we want to watch. And it's fun. I, I, I really enjoy it. To me, it's, it's worth it to have the old content and the new. It was kind of sad, though, uh, once we got to this Friday, and because there was no more I know. Mandalorian. <laughs> Our habit was to come home and watch The Mandalorian, and it was like, oh, that was a bummer. <laughs> That's okay, though. But we watched, uh, we watched The Two Popes on Netflix last night, yes. and that was really oh, good. that was a wonderful movie. If you have Netflix and you have an interest in that, it is definitely worth watching. We really enjoyed it, didn't we? And I, I love this gif of Baby Yoda. Oh, yes. The one that you put on the that is That is cute of him watching. That was one that he was watching the two bounty hunters fight. Yeah, yeah. And they look over, and he's, like, sitting there just sipping his broth watching them. I, there's a good Photoshop uh, of a lot of things Baby Yoda related, but one of them is a close-up of him holding the cup, and it's got a little Lipton tea uh, tag coming out of it like he's drinking tea. Nice. Which is cute. I like that. That's really cute. Best grocery pickup discovery Kroger category. And tell us about the Kroger click list. Oh my gosh. Uh, My life has changed forever. (laughs) (laughs) What was it? Well, we've, uh, click list has been around for a little while now. Yeah. It's been about for a few years. Yeah. The Kroger in, in our area, we have like three of them and they all do click list. Um, and we hadn't really used it uh, because, you know, we're cool with going into the store and stuff. But I can't remember. I think there was one day where it was gross or we, we hadn't or been something. We and, hadn't been to the grocery for a while and we needed to go. You wanted me to, to go, which I'm totally fine doing. But it was uh, I was going to be by myself. It was really rainy and cold outside. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to have to go into the store, get all the stuff. And then trudge out into the rain yeah. and load the car. So you tried the click list and you really liked it. It was really nice. I know. And I've done it uh, since. And um, I also, you know, I went shopping for our office Christmas party this year. And I've, it was nice because I could just go on my lunch break and pick up all the food from the Kroger click list and come back to work. I mean, it's very convenient. And if you have, if you're an older person or if you have uh children like young children you don't want to take to the store or if you're just a busy professional in general or the weather's bad it's just really nice to have that we have really enjoyed it and uh, they were running a special at our area kroger's i don't know if this was kroger wide or just our regional stores or whatever but um to the end of 2019 you didn't have to pay for the service um but i think after experiencing it because what you do is you go on the website you add everything to your cart and you schedule a time to pick it up. And usually you need to do it a day in advance so that you can kind of mm-hmm. pick your time. Yeah. And then you'll you'll drive up and they'll put your, your groceries in your in your car. And uh, you'll do the you'll pay for it online and do that stuff online. And usually I think it's like a four ninety five, I think, is the service fee on that. But they had that waived, but it's worth the four ninety five. Oh, totally. Just to avoid the extra hassle. Definitely, yeah. So, I mean, does this mean I will never go into the store again and never, ever buy anything off the shelf? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, but it's nice, especially, you know, if you don't want to battle 
Kroger in the hol- during the holidays, or if you don't want to go in on a really gross, snowy, or rainy day, or, or if, you're, if you're doing a grocery shopping trip and you're you know it's going to be a really big one and you're doing it by yourself, yes. Or like you know, I said, if you're older, or you know you have young children, or you have you know something that's time consuming that you know you don't have a lot of time to go shopping, you just need to kind of get in, and get out, but you also need to get quite a few things. It's it's really worth it. It's very, very worth it. So, next category. Most used GIF in a text <laughs> and category. This was a late edition. We had published the Study Gets Selects list, but this was a late addition to it. So, I Anna, why don't you him, tell us what this, what's behind this one? It is a dancing banana GIF. Um, it's just basically this really happy banana with pom-poms dancing. And it's like my happy GIF. Like, whenever I'm happy, I always send that dancing banana to Matt. I just, I found it right around Thanksgiving. Um, it, in like the gift app on my phone and I just started using it and it's quite, it's quite fun. I just, I'm laughing just looking at it right now. <laughs> now as uh, again, study selects, let's see, I published this on December the 17th. So actually before Christmas, I would, I did really well in putting this together <laughs> this year. And I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but I'm patting myself well on done. the back. Um, but by the time that was written on December 17th, so I wrote that December 17th is when I published that. Uh, she has used, used that dancing banana gif seven times. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, between really November the 21st and December the 17th. And I can tell you for a fact that it has been used more since then. So I'm, I don't have my, my phones across the, the way, so I'm not going to grab it and embarrass Anne and, and count up exactly how many times she's used it. But let's just say she used a lot. It's now an in-joke, too, so it's getting used now (laughs) more because that's an in-joke. Because I did point out the other day, you know, it's kind of why this appeared on the list. You've been using that one a lot. And and so then I went back and counted how many times she had used it, and and it is a lot. And I even used one yesterday. Yes. It was fun. And also, just uh, FYI, they have a GIF of three dancing bananas. Oh, really? They also have, and this is on Giphy. Uh, they also have a dancing pickle, <laughs> and <laughs> they also have dancing toast. Um, they yeah, dancing peanut butter and jelly, uh, a dancing I don't know what this guy is doing. It's like a can can snow globe. I don't know. There's a banana with maracas. By the way, Anne is able to tell you all of this because she now has a Microsoft Surface. Yes, that Santa brought Thank her. Thank you, Santa. So now she, we have a secondary screen, so she doesn't have to try to squint and see my TV, yeah. my uh, computer monitor so during the show. So much easier. Oh, there's a dancing donut, Matt. Oh my gosh, I love this. Okay, as you can tell, um, I'm 36 years old, but recently I have totally gotten on the gift train. She's gone bananas, and I love. And my new um, bananas being flushed down the toilet. What the heck? Okay. All right. That's enough. We're going to table the banana (laughs) discussion now. Um, But yes. Anyway. So yeah, it's fun. All right. And the best cable, uh, best streaming cable TV replacement sling sucks now category. Uh, We're going to go YouTube TV. Um, Now you probably, you've listened to this podcast. uh, You know, I'm a fan of sports and I like uh, the Cincinnati Reds and I like the Indiana Pacers. I like to watch their games. I was very happy paying $25 a month to sling uh, pretty much just in order to get the Fox sports regional channels. Well, they got themselves into a contract dispute with uh, the Fox sports networks because slings owned by dish network. 
and they have not um, resolved that, and they took those uh, sports off the service, and I couldn't watch the Reds or Pacers anymore, and so I decided to look at some of the alternatives, and I had tried YouTube TV, so uh, I went back to YouTube, YouTube TV. It's a little more expensive, but it's more fully featured than Sling, and uh, I really, really like the service. Uh, what do you think of YouTube TV, Ann? I like it. Um, I also like the fact that we can get um, the shows sort of like a regular cable. We can go to like the sort of the TV show mode <clears> where <throat> you can kind of watch live TV. Yes. But at the same time, you know, you also have specific shows that you can watch on demand. Um, there is the DVR. And the DVR is nice. Great. It's featured. Um... Especially if you want to tape uh, dog shows. Mm-hmm. It's very good. <laughs> well, we saw that, let's see, when we were over at your parents' house for Thanksgiving, we saw that John O'Hurley was uh, the MC for the dog show. Yes. And uh, they had an advertisement for that. And so I'm like, Ann loves dog shows. I love dog shows. Ann loves John O'Hurley. Yes. It's a perfect combination. So I was able to hop onto my phone, go to the YouTube TV app, find the show, add it to our DVR list, and then it recorded yeah. the program and it's kind of nice because you know we're able to watch you know our shows that we normally watch like the goldbergs young sheldon um i like watching my animal planet shows mm -hmm. sometimes i can't watch them live but it's nice because we have that on-demand feature again um so yeah all in all i'm pretty happy with youtube tv we've had good reception with it mm -hmm. we haven't had any problems nope. with it knock on wood uh, and we, we still have we still have tableau that we use it it exists uh we really have been using the YouTube TV yeah. more than we have Tableau. But it's also there for local channels if uh, if we need it. We kind of use it as a backup now more than we – because it, it was our primary way to watch stuff. Like we watched the Goldbergs. We watched Young Sheldon, um, like Colts games and stuff like that. We would usually watch that way uh, just using the over-the-air antenna with uh, DVR that's like a networked DVR. And YouTube TV has kind of replaced that. But uh, and, and the thing that was nice is – that Sling did not Sling I shouldn't say Sling didn't have a DVR because it did but you had to pay extra for it I think they have changed that now they give you maybe a limited DVR functionality on stuff but it's not very very much and YouTube TV it's just included so if you determine that you like to watch the Indiana Pacers you just click on the Indiana Pacers and say add to list and it will record all of the Pacers games for you and they do it's that with easy. the Colts it's and, very the user and the friendly. IU and Purdue and stuff like that. So um, do I watch every single game I record? No, but it's there. And if I need to rewind and, and didn't get to watch it live or something, it's there. Yeah. And, and we had talked before how user friendly it is, especially, you know, for people like my parents and your parents. I mean, it, it would be easy for them to just add that and not have to worry about too many bells and whistles. It's pretty cool. So it's, it is $50 a month. I expect that at some point the price will have to increase because inevitably they do. But it's but, worth it. But it's worth it. Uh, writing year in review, I really don't have a lot to say. Uh, I've been in a little bit of a writing slump lately. The holidays kind of get me there anyway. Um, my production always drops from November to December because, you know, you got Thanksgiving, you've got Christmas, and you're doing stuff with family and stuff like that. So... I kind of go ahead and throttle down for that anyway, but it's been really busy at work. Uh, we got Howard here at home now uh, who needs to get walked and stuff, and I'm just not nearly as productive as I should be. I have written a few things, though. Mostly I have a G.I. Joe knockoff called Stars vs. Crimson that has a novel, 
and like four short stories that are finished for it. One of my big goals in 2020, now that we're here, um, I've got to travel for work here next week. And then after that, I am really going to try to dig in and do a better job of being more consistent with my writing and doing doing more because I do enjoy it. I just have not been as into it as I usually am. And Anne has no problem with it. If, if I need to, some evening be like, go away. She's like, okay, just as long as that means you're writing, that's fine. <laughs> oh, most of the time, you know, I like to sit in the room with you. Yeah, and, and that makes it that makes it tough write. because I writing is a solitary thing. Yes. And I don't like distractions. I don't like noise. I don't like anything else going on in the house while I'm trying to do it. And so my writing time, you know, really I I've been most productive when I used to work a four AM to noon shift because I get home, you have a little bit of time to unwind, and then you still have several hours before Ann gets home and that's a nice writing window. I don't really have that anymore. I get off at 3 o'clock. I get home by 3.30. I usually have to walk Howard by like quarter after 4 or 4.30. So you don't feel like you can sit down, unwind, and settle in and do everything. By the time you get Howard walked, Anne comes home. It's dinner time. We watch some TV. Now it's 7 or 8 o'clock. You're like, well, I guess I could write now. But inevitably we end up watching a, a movie or there's a Pacers game or something on. So it's really on me as kind of a lack of discipline. Well, we just need to make, we need to make time for you. Maybe, you know, when we do the podcast, uh, maybe I just need to designate, you know, we've been trying and, and we didn't really, we really were going to try to do pizza and podcast night this week, but Ann was running a fever. So we didn't do the podcast uh, on Wednesday as we had planned. And well, actually Wednesday was new year's day. So we went and saw Star Wars again. <laughs> of course so, we did. So there you go. <laughs> um, but we had planned to do the podcast like Thursday or Friday, but she wasn't feeling well, so we didn't we didn't push it. And then she feels good today, so that's why we're recording this on a Saturday. Uh, but anyway, my point is, if we designate Wednesday as podcast night, if I designate a couple nights of the week as writing nights, I think oh. maybe that'll help. His Majesty uh, is that. stirring. It looks like. Did he make a little noise? Yeah, he just like yawned really loud. Oh, Howard. <laughs> All right, so uh, we always cap off the Studica Selects with our movie year in review. Uh, we're big uh, into AMC. We love the Stubbs A-list. Um, you know, and it costs $20 a month, but I've also seen Star Wars four times and didn't have to pay for an individual ticket. So it definitely saved us some money on that end. Definitely. Plus, um, when you we bought tickets for some friends and stuff, or for family to go see the movie, and we got a bunch of Stubbs points, like... We went to go see The Rise of Skywalker on New Year's Day, and uh, we got I got popcorn and got the Bavarian Legend, which is a big pretzel, and uh, we, as soon as we were stepped out of the theater, we had another $5 reward activated. So it's definitely worth it to, to do that, just to get the, t even if you don't do the A-list, if you do the yearly stubs, and it waives the ticket fees for buying tickets, it's totally worth doing that. But we'll go through our list of movies that we went, went and saw this year, uh, we probably won't spend a whole lot of time on them. But uh, what do you remember about Mary Poppins Returns, Anne? I really liked it. Um, it was neat that they had some of the old uh, music, but they also had incorporated new songs. Most of them were written by Lynn Mar manuel Miranda. Say that 12 times fast. And no. um, <laughs> um, I really liked uh, Emily Blunt. 
uh, playing Mary Poppins. She was she a did, good Mary she Poppins. She did really great. Um, and it was fun to see Dick Van Dyke. So those were my thoughts, but that's, you know. My summary of the movie was as follows. A 2018 release that we saw in early 2019. All I remember is that some of the songs were good and Emily Blunt was a fine substitute for Julie Andrew- Andrews. And Dick Van Dyke showed up. And he danced. He's like in his 90s and he like danced. Now we did a couple of podcasts on They Shall Not Grow Old. Uh, What do you remember about that one, Anne? Um, I just really thought that it was very well put together as far as uh, colorizing uh, the real, the care that they put into making sure that when they colorized the film, the uniforms were the right color and the grass in France was the right color. And I always liked it when it's they just so the, neat, the making of little feature that they did afterwards yeah. and, they were, and they were like, Oh, we need this thing. And Peter Jackson would be like, well, I have that. And yeah. He had like this whole like world war one storage unit in his house. Like it's very strange, <laughs> but cool at the same time. And, and just, if you didn't get the gist of that, it's uh, Peter Jackson who did Lord of the Rings, did a documentary on world war one. And of course, World War One feels very distant to a lot of people. It did happen a lot, long time ago. I'm not saying that it didn't. But uh, it feels distant in a way that World War Two doesn't because there's so much footage of World War Two that we have seen and they have done different things with and they've done movies and stuff like that on it. World War One just seems uh, like it's out of a different time because when you see the footage for that, um, it uh, usually has uh, an ethereal quality to it. Uh, it's jerky. It doesn't feel real. And so they took a bunch of this new, um, newsreel footage that they had and they, you know, they put it in high definition and they colorized it and they tried to make it look um, living motion to uh, eliminate a lot of the reason that footage looks herky-jerky, some of it's degradation, but some of it's also the mechanical way in which the the mechanics worked for that footage to be shot. Yeah, a lot of it was hand-real at yes. the time. And so it's it's not consistent, and so sometimes it looks like it's really, really fast when it shouldn't be. And so they went and they, they used digital technology to correct all that. It's very neat. And uh, then they, they, they brought in uh, lip readers to lip read uh, different people and tried to figure out what they were saying and then they and put they voice added over dialogue. that dialogue it was so neat it is amazing and uh, we were really excited about that we did a couple of different podcasts on that one actually you'll find them linked on the static selects blog at madamswriter.com and uh, but it, it's really cool um, I wanted to tell you Anne I did look at getting you that for Christmas uh, but they said that they couldn't get it here till like January the 10th oh. so well, I would have taken it. I, I know, but I wanted you to have it for Christmas, but ah. I haven't ordered it yet because of that. Well, it's definitely one that I would like to own. I mean, I don't own a lot of documentaries, but that was one that it's really wonderful. And it's a good piece of history to bring back to life, especially since, you know, we don't have any World War One living veterans. I mean, there really aren't too many people around that remember that firsthand. And so it's it's pretty cool to... To be able to see that and, you know, kind of for him to bring that to life. Because in um, not so much here anymore, but in Britain and Australia and New Zealand, World War One is sort of their war. Because, I mean, we did lose a lot of Americans, um, but we were only in the fight for about a year and a half. Um, and whereas the British uh, colonies, they were in it from 1914, 1918 when the war ended. 
So they lost a lot more people. I mean, it pretty much decimated their whole population. And it was fought on their home front. You know, a lot of their, um, a lot of cities and, and countryside in France were never the same. I mean, the, the earth was scorched. And so it, it really affected them in a way that it didn't affect us. And so it was really cool that um, the, uh, the British War Museum and, and a lot of um, different um, like filmmaking companies and a lot of different uh, historical uh, societies kind of got behind this film and, and really kind of helped Peter Jackson bring this to life. It's, it's just really neat that they were able to do that, especially for the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I. I imagine he could have done like a six-hour cut. Oh, definitely. And people would have loved it. <laughs> I would it's, have loved it. It's really amazing just to see what the condition that film was in and then what they did what to they were it. able to do it's so cool it's really neat yeah. uh alita battle angel this one was uh based on a manga um and surprisingly i wanted to see it and matt was like really? what <laughs> but i liked it i really enjoyed it it was it was wonderful it was beautifully shot special effects were good i just i liked it now her eyes bothered matt he can't handle that he can't handle the big manga eyes but you know or manga, or however they say what, it. What, manga, manga? Potato, Anja. potato. <laughs> uh, I think my comment was this. Uh, we actually had some fun. Best movie ever? Of course not. But it's a good special effects heavy movie if you can get past Alita's gigantic eyes. If. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, Captain Marvel. It's the first of three MCU movies that we got this year. Uh, they used some de-aging technology to make Clark Gregg's Phil Coulson look younger and also uh, Samuel L. Jackson, make him look like Samuel L. Jackson of the 90s. Um, what did you think of Captain Marvel? What do, you, what do you remember from that movie? Well, I thought the CGI was awesome. Uh, the 90s, it was really cool how they captured the 90s, especially for people our age. Yeah. To kind of be able to experience a superhero movie in that time period. It was just kind of neat. It's very different from what we've seen recently you know because we've everything we've seen has been in this time period we haven't really had too many superhero movies um i mean we had wonder woman but we haven't really had any marvel movies that have really taken us you know back in time like that so it was kind of cool yeah i uh i thought it was a lot of fun uh the 90s stuff i like uh they did a little bit of a switcheroo with the scrolls mm -hmm. and they made you think they, they were the bad guys but it turns out they weren't really and um, I thought it was a really neat way to do things. Uh, I, I think we both walked away with the one complaint of it seemed like Nick Fury would have lost his eye in a very epic way, but it got scratched out by a space cat. And yeah. Kind of like, eh, it, that wasn't very it satisfying. It was terrible. Like, you know, he builds it up when he's talking to Captain America in, in the future about how he lost his eye and it was like this big thing. And we were all kind of looking forward to find out how he loses his eye. And then it was so dumb. Yeah. And it was like, really? That's how you lose it? But I guess that's sort of a comic bit, too. I yeah, I think they were trying to play that for laughs. But then when you watch The Winter Soldier, he's like, last time I lo trusted somebody, I lost an eye. I'm like, are you talking about that space cat that scratched out your eye? Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that you are. And you can't trust a cat. Everybody knows Everybody that. Everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> how stupid are you, Fury? Uh Avengers Endgame. I mean, we did a couple podcasts about this. We did a short fiction radio version 
of a side story based on this movie, I can probably stay. Uh, we loved yes. Avengers Endgame. Long story short, it was one of the greatest Marvel movies ever made, and Matt cried a yes. lot. Um, I have had some crying moments in the movie theaters this year, now that I think about it, between The Rise of Skywalker and Avengers Endgame. Uh, my goodness, when, when uh, all hope looks lost there at the end, and Cap's like on the battlefield by himself, and... You think it's, you know, it's not over, but that's what the movie wants you to think. And then he hears on your left, and those portals open, and Black Panther and Spider Man and all these people come through. Yeah, it's neat. it gives you chills. Um, the music, especially, they play when Tony Stark bites it at the end. Um, you know, and they have his funeral and stuff, and they've got all those characters. They've got that big sweeping shot through kind of all the characters who've been in the Marvel movies over the years. it's To me, it's deeply affecting. Um, I can probably watch it now without crying, but the first first time I saw it, you know, I was crying. And you probably didn't. You you don't cry at these, like, superhero Star Wars movies, but, like, you go to Little Women and you have to have, like, a whole box of Kleenexes. <laughs> I haven't seen Little Women yet, so. But I I'm just saying, a cry. movie like that will probably do it. Probably will cry. We actually need to watch this one uh, for a while. Uh, I haven't seen this one since we saw it in the theater, even though I've got the, the Blu-ray. Uh, Shazam! With Zachary Levi as the, the, the hero character in there. That was a really good movie. I was really surprised. Was so pleasantly fun. surprised by Shazam. It was very fun. We really enjoyed that a lot. Nice to see, you know, like, Batman v Superman and Justice League were disasters for DC. Uh, Batman v Superman made a okay amount of money, but you know, when then you bring all your big characters together in Justice League, and they made a lot of changes. And you know, Batman v Superman, the, the director's cut is a superior version, but I wouldn't still say it's an enjoyable movie to watch. It's one like even in game is is kind of hard to watch. It's a three hour movie that deals with a lot of heavy themes and stuff, but it is rewatchable. Although Infinity War is probably more rewatchable than in game because it's a little bit more fun. Um, but in, in moments. But Batman v Superman's not that way. But Justice DC's kind of right of the ship. I mean, Justice League was a, a disaster for them financially, with all the changes they decided to make. But you know, they they hit Aquaman big, they hit Wonder Woman big, and then Shazam was a modest hit for them. Um, and it's just a colorful, fun, kind of throwback movie. Uh, I think the one thing that surprised us was the monster stuff was a little bit intense. Yeah, for such a light-hearted just kind of a fun superhero movie it yeah. was very intense like it had i guess maybe something like ghostbusters yeah kind of might be you know where it's although this humor is more absurdist probably than ghostbusters which is a little yeah. subtle humor but it is a comedy that has some scary elements in it it still seemed a little dark for kids like people had brought their little kids to the movie which i probably would have too because it seemed like more of a family kind of a fun dc movie whereas this was just like I, and then that those ghosts, those monsters came out, and I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, it was. Uh, it felt like a left turn, like a swerve. Yeah, total. Uh, left when turn. they when they came in the movie, um, Disney keeps remaking stuff that people liked, and people keep people keep going to see uh, the things that they liked and uh, live action. They did that this year with Aladdin, and you know, I got to tell you, I was pleasantly surprised with Aladdin. Yeah, I mean, Aladdin is sort of, and I say this in the kindest way possible, 
It's one of the sort of bastard child movies of the 90s. Well, uh, for, for Anne, for a lot of people who hold Aladdin, people, very, Aladdin very close is, to their heart. Yeah, Aladdin is a very, very, it's a very great movie. But at the same time, it's sort of like Mulan and Tarzan. It, it does it get lost between like got lost between Little Mermaid yeah. and Lion King. You know, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I think it depends on when it was released, and kind of what demographic it hit. Well, because, and it did. You know, it had Beauty and the Beast, and yes. it had Lion King being released around the same time. Yes. So. It it does get lost. I'll give you that. Yeah. It does get lost in the shuffle bit. But it doesn't mean it's any best, you know, any better of a movie. It's just I was really surprised when they chose to do Aladdin uh, right away um, because I thought, well, maybe they'll try out their, you know, their wings with some of the more, you know, classics like Beauty and the Beast. And um, I knew they were doing The Lion King. Um, I thought they might try like The Little Mermaid or, or something else that was a big success but aladdin really surprised me and but it was a good movie i was really impressed with it and the people in the cast could actually sing that was impressive especially the main girl yeah jasmine she was wonderful Naomi scott was really really good she in that. was great and, and Will smith was surprisingly very good as the genie i mean if you grew up in the 90s it was going to be hard to imagine anyone else other than robin williams playing the genie and that's that's the but, biggest challenge for that movie was what do you do about genie because you know robin williams's performance there is absolutely iconic and you can't hardly imagine anybody else doing it so most people seem to like it and it made quite a bit of money for disney so. it grossed over a billion one of one of disney's billion dollar movies again this year well there you go uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. This was a Sony uh, release with uh, Marvel Studios supports and uh, another great MCU movie. And I think you're right. It is sort of a coda to the Avengers. Um, and, you know, Tom Holland is always fun. I really like Zendaya as Mary Jane. I think she's really great. She kind of makes her kind of fresh and just sassy and just kind of cool in a way that she wasn't really before. Um, and it's just, it's kind of neat. I mean, I like the villain in this one. Oh, thought, it's, it's got I one of their, their great villains. was really good. Um, and it had some fun, it just had fun moments. I mean, the, the two teachers <laughs> on, this, oh. on this class trip. I mean, could you get any, any idiotic than those two guys? No, you really couldn't. <laughs> Uh, Nick Fury was great. Um, yeah, it was it was really a good movie. I really enjoyed it. Good support from John Favreau in this movie too. Yes, he was wonderful. But uh, you know, I like a lot of the Spider-Man movies, especially with Tom Holland. The Tom Holland ones are great. So I just uh, we talked about it before. I love that moment though, where uh, Peter's putting together his new suit, and John Favreau's kind of happy. Hogan's looking at him, kind of like a proud papa, um, kind of like he's seeing Tony. Tony Stark. Tony yeah. Stark doing all that stuff. And then he turns on the the music and he's like, I love this song. It's like I oh. love Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and it's it's ACDC, I think, is what they, they yeah. grab. Uh Rocket Man. Uh, this was the uh, biopic on good old Elton John. And uh, I can definitively say this was an Anne pick. Yes. And Matt was gracious enough to go with me, and I really enjoyed it. Um I was looking forward to reading his uh, biography, his autobiography that came out in October. Um, and I read it and it's called me by Elton John. 
And I listened to the audiobook, and it was actually read by Taryn Edgerton, who was uh, Elton John in the movie. So it was kind of neat to see the movie and then hear the audiobook and learn about his life. And I mean, and I knew it, the it, basics. It, it, it's, a, it's a really good movie. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing it at all. I just mean, like, this is one that specifically an Anne, Anne wanted to see. Yeah, yeah, this was an Anne movie. And I was really impressed sure. by the fact that Taron Egerton did his own singing. And he was really good. And he was really good. Yeah, he did a great job. So we can't, I can't say enough about Rocket Man. I really enjoyed it. It was worth going to see. Now, Ann, I, I, when I was putting this list together and I saw that we had, had definitely gone to see Toy Story 4, and I remember liking Toy Story 4, but I really honestly couldn't remember much about Toy Story 4. Were you the same way? Do you remember it better than I do? Um, Toy Story 4 basically was um, where Woody and Buzz go with the new girl that they end up with. Uh, the one that Andy gave the toys to. I can't remember her name. But uh, she's a little bit older now. And they go on a big, like, uh, RV trip. And so it was like Woody and Buzz and all the different toys go on this big RV trip. And um, they run into Bo Peep, who's been kind of uh, on the lam since she had been donated and was now living in a uh, like a curio shop, mm-hmm. and there was like a baby doll um, that she's sort of like the evil queen of this curio shop in this town where they their RV broke down, and um, yeah, I mean I, that's really I don't remember a whole lot, but well, it's just kind of weird because I I really like Toy Story one, Toy Story two, Toy Story three. I and remember Toy Story three wrapped everything up wonderfully. I remember a lot I'm of moments surprised. from those movies, and I did not remember so much from Toy Story four. Yeah, like I remember so, liking it. I remember we came away from it thinking it was really good, but so I guess long story short, it was wonderful and enjoyable and forgettable. <laughs> I, I guess, but I know that a lot of people had it on, like, their best of, uh, best of the year lists. Wow. And I just didn't get enough out of it, I guess, to want to put it there. Mm. But, uh, again, I like the movie. I'm sure if I see it again, I'll really like it. But I thought, as Ann said, Toy Story 3 was kind of a good close to everything. I didn't think they needed a fourth Toy Story movie. But mm. that's there. Uh, however, I do remember The Lion King. Of course. I mean, who doesn't remember The Lion King? Uh, some people hated this movie. Uh, that's fine. Some people love this movie. Also fine. Some people were indifferent, which happens. Uh, but again, it's another billion-dollar movie from Disney. And it's pretty much a beat-for-beat beat remake of the animated Lion King with uh, animated characters that look like real animals. And it's an amazing visual effects achievement. Yeah, I, I was very impressed with it. I thought the CGI was amazing. Um, I was really impressed that they decided to bring back some nostalgia voices for the uh, for the movie, like James Earl Jones as Mufasa. I think we're still a little sore that they didn't bring back Jeremy Irons as Scar because that's one of our favorite parts of. You have no idea. If if you can if you can't tell, we're big Simba. Jeremy Irons fans. <laughs> Um, but I thought it was really great. I mean, obviously it doesn't stray too far away from the original story. It's pretty much a frame for frame, uh, just about, uh, retelling of the Lion King only in live action form, but it was really beautifully done and I was very impressed with it. I thought they did a nice job with, uh, the animation and Timon and Pumbaa. I thought oh, they yeah. were really good. Um, and if I came away, if I had one 
real big complaint with it. I thought they butchered Be Prepared, which is, uh, yeah. again, I guess the problems I have all go back to them not getting Jeremy Irons a scar. Yeah. Uh, not that Chiwetel Ejiofor, he puts in a good performance, the scar. It's just that's like Scar's one song, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty good one, and they just kind of... Yeah, I can understand trying to do a different version of, of it, but it didn't work for me. Once yeah. Upon a Time in Hollywood and Brad Pitt, Leonardo <gasps> oh, DiCaprio, the Manson family. This was such an entertaining movie. You would not expect... I mean, okay, I like some Tar- Quentin Tarantino movies. I wouldn't say I'm a huge Tarantino yeah, fan. Yeah, I, I think we're about the same on that. But I am willing to say that he is a genius when it comes to making movies. Like, he really comes up with some really interesting concepts and the filming is really beautiful. But would I say I'm a Tarantino fan? No. But the idea of Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio being in a movie in 1960s Hollywood with the Manson family? Come on. That was going to be great. And it was highly entertaining. It was so entertaining and so well done. We really did enjoy it, didn't we? I, I did. I, I didn't, I didn't know what to think. This is another one where Anne was like, oh yeah, I'd like to see that. And I'm like, really? You want to go see that? Although yeah, you were really surprised. I, I do like Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, maybe a little bit too much. You have a man crush on and, him. It's okay um, to admit it. I like, I like Brad Pitt as well. And, uh, so, you know, that was, but I, I just didn't think this would be one that we would end up going to see at the theater. But I was like, yeah, I'd like to see that. So we did go to see it. Um, it's again, we're not the hugest we don't hate Tarantino, but we're not the biggest like aficionados of Quentin Tarantino. Uh, I've seen several of his movies, like some of them, don't like some of them. I mean, that's just kind of how how it is. Uh, but the the recreations of like the vintage Hollywood feel that they get for this, Brad Pitt's great in this movie. Uh, we loved his dog Brandy as well. Yes, Brandy um, was an MVP of MVP that movie. MVP of the movie. <laughs> she was so cute. And uh, I don't want to spoil it too much, but the fact that a flamethrower comes in at the end of this movie <laughs> is still one of my favorite things. I'm it's like so ridiculous and crazy and scary and weird. You just can't even describe you it. You just can't really believe what yeah. what you're seeing and um it's kind of got an alternate obviously it's a, an alternate history of what happened with the Manson family. Uh, but it's it's really uh, it's cool. It's really cool. Very it's an entertaining cool. movie. Uh, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, another one we went to see. <laughs> another one that we knew we were probably wasting our money, but we didn't care because yeah, it was going to be fun. And it was fun. It was really fun. And of course, I love Jason Statham, and he always does a wonderful job with um, with Shaw, Deckard Shaw. And those two just have amazing chemistry in those Fast and Furious movies. So it was kind of a a, a treat to be able to see them in a movie together. Where they they were have to work together, and you know they're always trying to undercut each other and stuff like that. So, and I love how they kind of just threw Ryan Reynolds in there. Yeah, yeah, he had this role. So fun. Yep, Yep. and he's yeah. I always find I think Ryan Reynolds is one of the most charming. Just usually puts on one of the most and charming performances just, out there, and just like, um, just like Chris Hemsworth, he is really underrated for his comic ability. Absolutely, I mean Chris Hemsworth. Who knew he could be so funny in that last Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok? He was hilarious. He was so good at the comic timing, and Ryan Reynolds is the same way. Like, and people don't usually get that about Ryan Reynolds because he's not usually in. 
he always kind of was in like heartthrob movies. He did like a superhero movie, you know, with the Green Lantern, but, and he does kind of have a little bit of wit and charm in some of his movies, but you don't really get to see the kind of the drop dead funny. And we got to see that in Deadpool. Right. And a lot, and of, t- a lot of times they sort of run with it. A lot of times he tends to be a little over the top mm-hmm. and like in Deadpool. Uh, but this one gave him just kind of a chance to just kind of be smarmy yeah. and fun. So, and it's Fast and Furious. Who doesn't love Fast and Furious movies? I mean, they're just, they're delicious. They're wonderful. They're ice cream that sort of melts. I mean, that's but the they're, sad, But that, they're delicious when you try them. And, and that's what sort of alarmed me about me thinking back to Toy Story 4. I can remember sequences and stuff and lines from pretty much all the movies that we saw. And I couldn't remember a thing, hardly, from Toy Story 4. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's that's. It alarmed me a little bit when I was putting together this list. Uh, one we saw not too long ago, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with Tom Hanks playing Mr. Rogers. Um, I can think we can say we really like this one, too. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I would say there's not, surprisingly, for being such a influential figure, especially for people our age, um, there's not a whole lot that's known about Fred Rogers. And I think this really kind of very subtly... Um, shows that Fred Rogers was human too. You know, the way he interacts with this journalist who is interviewing him, um, this very conflicted journalist who's interviewing him for a a magazine piece. And Fred Rogers um, agrees to the magazine piece mainly because he wants to help this man. And it's just really interesting to kind of get a glimpse into Fred's life uh, through the eyes of this guy. And it's just so well done. I mean, it's not really a biography piece about Fred Rogers. It's it's really just kind of a. Um, <laughs> is he snoring? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Sorry, our dog's on the couch snoring. <laughs> and it all comes back to Howard King Howard. Um, yeah, it was just it was a really good movie. I thought it was really well done. And we've talked about how how much care was really put into the movie. And if you've ever watched the opening for Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, they kind of have this like scale model of the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And it was neat because when they did the interchanging of scenes, um, you know, if they were fl- say they were flying from a certain place to another place, they would have a little model plane taking off, you know, and. Um, it was just, or cars driving across the bridge. And we or, did not expect. And it was we just did really not expect cute. That. Instead of your typical transition set, scene setting, yeah. you know, uh, things, uh, they used the Mr. Rogers model type of uh, motif for that. And I did not expect that <laughs> at all. I thought maybe they'd do it once and people think, oh, that's cute. Uh, but they did it. They committed to it. They did it throughout the entire movie. And Tom Hanks gives a great performance in this, too. Uh, you think he'll get an Oscar nomination? Being Tom Hanks? I would imagine that, yes, he will probably get an Oscar nomination. Should be, should be interesting. Uh, and then the final uh, movie of the year that we saw, uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Yes. Which oh. is the conclusion of uh, the nine movies of the Skywalker saga, that invented thing they made up earlier this year. Yeah. Um, Gotta love Disney. But, uh, you know, it's cr- the, the critic split for this. The Rotten Tomatoes split on this is the exact opposite of The Rise of Skywalker, or of uh, The Last Jedi. Critics love The Last Jedi. It got review- terrible like user reviews. And then The Rise of Skywalker only has a 54% on the critic side, but 86% of people that have seen the movie uh, have liked it. So 
generally, it sounds like it's a crowd pleaser, um, but it doesn't mean that I don't have some reservations about it. But generally speaking, I really did love the movie. Got a full review on the website. We did a spoiler cast on it uh, a couple weeks ago. So if you want us to really dive deep into the rise of Skywalker, <laughs> you can do it there. Uh, it was another movie. Uh, we mentioned Endgame. I got a little misty-eyed. And this one, I got a little misty-eyed, too. Yes, you did. I, I, I handed you a butter-soaked napkin yes. to wipe your tears. Very, very <laughs> subtle. Uh, I just didn't expect a couple of the, the emotional beats there to, to hit me like they did. So. Yeah. I mean, well, you got to see some characters come back that we didn't think we'd see again. And it was just kind of fun. And, of course, they had some great cameos from the original movie. Uh, one of them being Dennis Lawson, which I think were probably the only ones in the theater besides the maybe the 60 year old guy in this row in front of us at the last showing we went to that probably knew who Dennis Lawson was but um yeah it was kind of cool well it's always interesting you know you go and it's a different audience that you go. we've seen it four times uh and I went to see it on uh, the Saturday after it opened and the Sunday after it opened we went to see it with her family because her brother-in-law was in town or uh, my brother-in-law was in town um for the Christmas holidays so we went to see it with some family uh, my brother wanted to go see it here in Indianapolis, um, so he came from like Williamsburg, and we went to see it, and then uh, Anne wanted to see it one more time. And even though I'm like, we could go see another movie, <laughs> but I kind of want to go see Star Wars again, so we'll go see it again. And um, so we went on New Year's Day to see it, so we've seen it four times. To me, uh, it hits some very emotional beats that are satisfying. Do I wish that Disney had a better handle on their overall plan for their three-movie trilogy? Yes, Definitely. I don't think there's any denial uh, about that, or any denying that. Uh, but I think J.J. Abrams did a good job of sort of scraping the franchise back together after the... I wouldn't say it was a, a bad um, debacle, but it was um, unexpected for most Star Wars fans to have a very artsy movie in the middle of this trilogy. I, th I think... Um, you know, we're just going to have to see, but I, I do think The Last Jedi did some long-term damage to the brand oh, yeah. um, just because of the way that it – very, very mixed reviews. Um, they just tried to get too fancy. I, I think they may have. Um, then they tried to do Solo, and that was a financial uh, – just a big failure for them. And The Rise of Skywalker numbers aren't fantastic. I mean, it's made some money, but I don't know if it's going to be able to, to outgross – um, Rogue One or The Last Jedi, not that it's a competition or anything, but it kind of, it underwhelmed, had an underwhelming opening. I mean, it still made $175 million, that's that's great, but the other movies had done like $200 million. And uh, they had a big day on Christmas Eve, and, or Christmas Day, and like the day after Christmas. And so, I mean, it's going to make, it's probably going to make a billion dollars at the box office for Disney. Um but they're going to take a little bit of a break from the Star Wars movies uh, for the time being and try to kind of recenter themselves, and I think that's probably a, probably a good, good idea. idea. Yeah. Um, and they can focus on things like The Mandalorian, which is truly great, and they got a Kenobi miniseries I was going to say, they've got up. some great content that's supposed to be coming out for uh, Disney+. Plus. They're doing so. a Cassian Andor series as well, yeah, you know, with Diego so Luna. I think so. things will hopefully turn around for them here soon, and it won't be so detrimental. But, I mean, I really like the, the Rise of Skywalker, and I know that for some people it didn't work for them, and that's that's fine. Um, more, you know, the, the more opinions out there, the, the better. You don't have to be, love everything that, that gets out there that I love, and 
that's fine. But I, I found it I found it enjoyable. And uh, as long as you can accept that the Emperor is back, and if you can't accept that, then <laughs> you, obviously you you're not going to like that. Everybody, anybody that wants to go see the movie, Matt always tells him he's like, well. As long as you can accept that the emperor is back, you're fine. And people, you know, you would almost think that was a spoiler, but I'm like, the first line of the crawl yeah. is about the the emperor, and like the first scene of the movie includes the the second scene of the the movie includes the emperor, so it's not too much of a spoiler if it happens within the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah, definitely. Well, that is uh, that is it. Our study selects 2019 list. Any other uh, reflections on the year that was? Other than it was a wonderful year. As always, we always have a great time, and uh, we had some, we had some, we saw some good movies. We got a new pet, our baby Howard, who we love with all our heart, and um, yeah, we just had a really good time in 2019. I hope 2020 is just as good. All right, well, that'll wrap up uh, our 2019 year in podcasting. Here on the Madams Podcast, you can find me on Twitter at Statomatty, S-T-A-T-O-M-A-T-T-Y, at Statomatty. Just drop me an email, matt at mattadamswriter.com, matt at mattadamswriter.com. I'll put a link to the complete Studica Selects list in the podcast description if you want to look at that, see the banana, the dancing banana gif, or <laughs> a really good Baby Yoda gif. And uh, yeah. I look at my, uh, my lightsaber from Disney World, some pictures of the trip, and most importantly, pictures of Howard. You can find those there. And, uh, Anne, uh, where can the people find you? Wherever Matt is. All right. Uh, that'll do it. Uh, thanks for listening, and have a good 2020. Thank you. <laughs>